0: All right. Welcome back to another fine episode of there will be bourbon. I am. Well, before I bring him in, I need to obviously discuss what I'll be sipping on because as you know, this show is fueled by bourbon and uh, in honor of, in my opinion, the greatest sports talk radio host in Orlando history. I will be drinking yet another product from the Buffalo Strays distillery, which as you all know, is the greatest distillery ever. This is Weller 107. Um, if you can find it, it used to be very easy to do and no longer is, at least not at a reasonable price. But anyway, this stuff's delicious. And uh, so that's what's going to be fueling the conversation with a long time. I don't know why he ever actually entertained any of my emails I sent him, but he did, and he's a good man. And so now – I would like to bring on Jerry O'Neill, as I said, uh, longtime sports talk radio host in Orlando, Florida. Twenty-five years, you did, sir. That's correct. That's correct. I always called uh, Eric Sarge.
1: So I don't know, are you are you no longer in the military?
0: I hey, I'm still am. 18 years still going. Good for at you. This point. Yeah. Good for
1: you. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. And I, I appreciate uh, everything what
1: you've done, Eric. Sometimes uh, when we were in Orlando, I was a sports talk show host in Orlando for 25 years. Fortunate to survive all of that. Yes. And for those who know college football, UCF is in Orlando. And so I was involved with the radio broadcast for UCF football for 24 seasons. 2019 was my last year. We won 25 straight games. I got a championship ring around here. So I'm glad you out. said
0: that. So, so I was out. that was my second year out here in 2017. So do you subscribe to the national championship?
1: Am, am I allowed to move with my phone and go Absolutely. get my championship? do whatever you got to do.
0: Yeah, right. do whatever you by the do. way,
1: uh, he's fueled by bourbon, I'm fueled by whiskey. So
0: Exactly, that's why he's a great man uh, right there. So
1: let me go. Yeah. I, my whiskey habit started, let me think if I can find, oh, there it is right there. Uh, I've got a, a little man cave. My wife is <laughs> kind enough to allow me. I got to put the phone down for one second,
0: Eric. Hey, so, do what you got to do. All <laughs> right, I got
1: to pick up this, uh, this UCF
0: ring. Oh, he's got, the, he's got the championship ring? So it's funny about
1: you know, UCF because the year that UCF was the only team in college football to win every game, uh, we beat Auburn in Atlanta. And as a sports talk show host, I never made an argument for UCF to be in the playoff that year. Okay. In what year was that, 2018? 20, 2017. 2017. Yep. You know, time slips. Uh, I say this thing about retirement. And my wife and I live in the villages in, in Florida, and it's a the largest 55-plus retirement community in the country, and I love it. There are 55 golf courses. I played 18 holes of golf today. I play 18 holes of golf almost every day, Jeez. if not 27. And many of the courses up here are, and I'd never played an executive golf course until I came here. So there are nine holes. they are usually about seven or eight par threes, but... They have different sets of tees, and meaning you can play the deep set where you'll play 175, 180-yard par-3 holes against some really challenging golf. So that's what I get to do now more than anything. Uh, but with, with UCF, that championship year, you know, for those who know college football, uh, we beat Auburn in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. Well, Auburn that year had beaten both Georgia and Alabama during the season. So, when UCF beat Auburn in Atlanta, the very next week, Georgia would play Alabama in the NCAA in the college football championship game. Remember that wild overtime finish? It was tremendous. Well, that night we were holding a party in downtown Orlando for the championship season that was UCF. After all, (laughs) we're the only ones. There it is. Right there. That
0: is a championship ring.
1: Right there. And I wear it with pride. I tell people I didn't do anything to earn it. But I wear it with
0: pride. <laughs> That's legit. So talking with Jerry O'Neill, and uh, for those of you who can't see this because this will go out into podcast formats, he's holding up the UCF championship ring from the 2017 football season. Um, before I get into all of the, everything, because you've seen literally the the, the rise and some bad seasons in that program, but you've seen it kind of come to where it is today. Um, sure. I want everyone to know this. First of all, if you're listening you can hear the difference between myself and an actual professional. You hear the, you hear the voice. He's got the golden pipes. All right. Like again, best, best voice ever in Orlando sports history. And then also for those of you who don't know this, I've been trying to do silly stuff like this. You know, I I tried to do, get into sports talk. I I tried to do that for a while. I just, you know, my service to the country always kind of came first and took me out of a lot of those efforts. But one thing you may or may not know is that Jerry was kind enough and maybe, I don't know, just winging it to just let me come on and actually host with him for an entire three hours once upon a time. You remember that? I sure do. Like it was (laughs) yesterday.
1: I mean, you know, Um, the one thing thing that I always needed, I needed a co-host. You know, I'm not a guy that can sit in a studio and have a microphone in front of me and talk for three hours, I would die myself of boredom. I would <laughs> bore people to death and I would die of boredom. So, you know, when my co-host would go on vacation, and and I was the lead host, that doesn't mean I was better. I mean it was just my experience of being able to yep. get the radio show started and get topics introduced and then, you know, go from there, play it by, by ear the rest of the way. Right. And I was a guy that would wing it. I and mean, we came to work every day where we would have topics that would be natural, uh, whatever they may be, topical stories, et cetera. But I don't remember how we were first introduced, whether it was by email, whether it was a phone call. But uh, uh, I, I,
0: I, I did, I, I would call the show, I would call from time to time, but I, I yeah. think I, it was probably an email. Because you were very responsive, like you're well, you're probably the only one that actually ever responded. I, you know, I won't ruin the surprise and say that you were the only sports talk host I ever emailed, but you were the right. only one to ever respond. And yeah. so that kind of what what started it. Uh, I, like I, I was said, kind of very belt. supportive. You you helped me get it. I remember you helped me get uh, when I started originally doing a little talk show online. Sure, um, right. You helped me get access to the Orlando Magic and and get into the, the stadium and you know go behind the scenes. You know, I always felt, and I just
1: yeah. I, I who am I. You know, I I don't know how to pound a nail. I don't know where the dipstick is underneath my hood of my car. You know, there are a lot of things I can't do. Sitting in a studio and talking on a microphone came natural to me, you know, the ability to communicate. Uh, But when, you know, when young people and hell, almost everybody now is younger than me. When young people contacted me, I felt uh, a a responsibility, honestly, to get back in touch. And you had the background in military. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, you have been one of these guys that have put your life on the line for our freedoms, for our country. How could I deny that? So I always felt a kinship, a bond to guys who wanted to talk about trying to find out how they might either enter the profession or get some tips on certain things about the job.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was, and like I said, um, just the way my personal, I guess, life at the moment and the way that was with uh just being in the military at the time like yeah i never had an opportunity to really fully pursue it but now i'm gonna you know just do this for fun and and i don't really care what happens one way or the other i just get a chance to talk and actually do it because things as you know i mean technology so much i think we first started talking in 2008 like things are completely different from back then like you correct i couldn't do this 2008 that's why you know i tried to reach out to anybody i could to see if i could get any opportunity
1: um see and i'm and i'm happy I, I was, for 45 years, a radio announcer. The first 12 of those, you know, was before talk radio, before sports talk radio. Oh, yeah. I was a rock jock. And I've kind of come full circle because in moving to the villages, and I don't know in your audience if people even know anything about the villages, it's a pretty cool place for, for uh, you know, senior adults. Yeah. And people told me I got old. And so I said, <laughs> okay, I'll retire. And you know what? <laughs> the government sends me money every month. I like those rules. Yeah. So... Apparently, I paid into it called Social Security. And so uh, my wife and I, you know, cashed in. Our our employer in Orlando was like, why are you retiring at this age? And I said, A, because I can, and (laughs) B, uh, because, you know, I feel like I have one chapter left in my life. God Mm -hmm. will control, and I firmly believe that. God will control how long that chapter lasts. But I want to have some fun before I – uh, and carted off into eternal life. And that's what I also believe, by faith. And so, if that's the case, I wanna spend some time, A, with my wife, who I'm very much still in love with, Annie. We have a beautiful home here in the villages. Like I said, most we most all driving we do is on a golf cart because there are mile after mile after mile of golf cart paths, so it's just fun. It's a fun existence, it's a beautiful environment in. This part of Florida, we really enjoy. So, good for
0: us. It it sounds like a rough life. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know know if I can do that. So, is it as wild as I've heard all the rumors over the years? No, no. No. Listen, (laughs) I don't know if people people that
1: follow some of the stories, you know, there was a, there is no secret, Mm -hmm. and it it happens to be factual about probably eighty eight percent, maybe ninety percent, maybe more, maybe ninety five percent are white people. Oh no. Yep, that's the way it is. And, you know, they don't have a guard at the gate or anything like that that doesn't allow people of color, but it's about 95 or 90% white. Mm-hmm. It's also about 90% Republican. No. Yes. Yeah. So on President remember, Trump's birthday. Yeah.
0: I remember Paul Ryan did his, uh, did an event correct. back there in 2012. Yeah.
1: President Trump came here, you know, a year ago and spoke. He didn't come out into the public. He didn't speak in public, but into a building here. But but there was, his birthday was in June, and there was a golf cart parade, and we weren't in it. In fact, I didn't even know anything about it, or we might have been in it, but there were 850 golf carts that circled different parts of the villages and went through the different squares, and it was just cool. So we saw a lot of the carts. Well, at one of the town squares, and there are three town squares in the villages, and it's a, co- a population now over 125,000. Wow. Um, There were anti-Trump protesters and they're pro-Biden. And -hmm. it got loud uh, to the point where, yeah, I know what happened. There were the the Biden supporters were F this, F that to every cart that came around the corner. And they were calling them Nazis and uh, Trump tards is a word that they love to use. And they want to get in your face. And then the one guy turned around to the camera because the one guy asked him, they asked every cart that came through, Where's your white cape? Like, you know, your Ku Klux Klan yeah. cape. Yeah. So he said, You know, and it caught everybody off guard when they were doing this. Nobody knew it was coming when they turned the corner. Here are these protesters. And so they're F this. I mean, literally, this woman went out and was F you, F you, F you. Well, some people got it, got it got under their skin. And the one guy yelled after he was asked where his white cape was he went yeah 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 white power white power well that that got national news that got the news and it's yeah. a, it was a blemish on a the, the people here the lifestyle here it has nothing to do hardly at all at all with the villages but you kind of get branded that way yeah and i'm disappointed because that's not who this this group is it's more about your golf handicap it's more about you know getting out and just enjoying life and realizing that you're retired and yet, uh, you know, you don't have to twiddle your thumbs, try to find something to do. That's why I kind of support this community.
0: Absolutely. Well, and then kind of just to touch on what, what you said, and I, I spoke with my guest last night, and it's kind of the same thing. I think that we've kind of devolved in a way that we've completely stripped the value of the term Nazi, because that, you know, that actually means something. But, you know, anyone yeah. who anyone who decides to think differently than the left in this country is somehow labeled a racist, a Nazi, right. a fascist, Correct. you know, everything that uh, is the complete antithesis of what those terms actually mean. But, that, that
1: it's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, again, I'm going to share with you. Um, I, I have always said on the radio. As a talk show host, I tell you what I think, not what to think. think. I don't tell you what to think. I said it would be on my tombstone, except we're going to be cremated. So, (laughs) you know, you won't see it at a a, a cemetery anywhere. (laughs) But but I've always said, I tell you what I think, not what to think. And so I've been honestly outraged as far as I go with rage, and I don't. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have the one chapter left. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life. Uh, drowning in, in uh, some of the things that are going on. But, I, but as it regards the, the storyline surrounding Black Lives Matter, way before it became painted on streets, I always told people, you know, if you look at somebody's skin color and you think you're better uh, based on your skin color, you're evil. To me, oh, that's yeah. evil.
0: Absolutely. Agree 100%. But,
1: but don't tell me how to approach life. I'll, I'll, I don't play by your rules. Right. My rules are very simple. I want to treat everybody like a brother. Yep. If I don't know you, then I want to, and now we can't, I want to extend my hand and shake your hand and say, hey, I'm Jerry. Have we met? I don't think we've met. You know, you can't do that now. Yeah. You know, because of, of, of COVID. But I've always believed when, when I first heard, when I first heard years ago, Black Lives Matter. I said, well, of course they do. All lives matter. <laughs> yeah. You know? And now I say that and I'm branded as though I'm some heretic as yep. though now I need to get mm-hmm. on my knees and ask for forgiveness. And I stop right there and say, Hey, I don't do that. I don't play by your rules and I don't apologize for that.
0: I agree. And, and you know, and that's the other problem with, with the, the black lives matter movement is that I think it's, it's geared or it was a started for a, a, a legit cause exactly what you just laid out that of course obviously every life matters and we need to bring attention to what's going on in the black community and then i've always said this as it ties into that because i think a lot of it came out of the unfortunate police issues that go on with sometimes the black community and they get amplified through the media but of course my contention is we would have fixed or maybe not fixed but we would have addressed and confronted this issue years ago, if we would just highlight the fact that this goes on in the white community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community, there's an issue with police brutality and violence amongst Americans. And that should be the focus, not just when it affects one group, because when you only focus and highlight or spotlight one group, you make others feel like they're somehow at fault. There's no question about that.
1: I live in an area here in Florida where if you drive five miles out into the country, you see incredible poor communities. Oh yeah. You see real poor communities. Yeah. We don't think about that in America. You yeah. know, we really don't. We think about the inner city. We see right. the, the, how poor and wretched the inner city can be, but we don't see rural America. And it's not, not all of, I grew up in rural America. Yeah. I'm from the cornfields and wheat fields of Northern Indiana. My dad owned his own business. He, it was the grain elevator. So I know rural. Because I grew up in the country, but there are a lot of people who live in the country who've got a trailer or a part of a trailer park. You know, there's a lot of um, poverty. Poverty in America mm-hmm. with white people. We don't ever th- we don't talk about that. We act mm-hmm. as though white people have influence and white people have privilege and white people have wealth. Well, that's not the case for all of quote whitey. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. And, and, and that's why I said I feel like a lot of our issues are coming from, they get amplified through the, the mainstream media, which I still feel is, is dying in this country because most people don't look to the cable networks for news other than entertainment. I think that's what it's devolved into. But then at the same time, the, the things that are going on in America, we are, we've become beholden to the identity politics. We, we, constantly no pit, we constantly pit one group against another and we don't try to make these American issues. And right. by, by refusing to make them American issues, you automatically, uh, you bring about animosity. You bring about uh, some sort of conflict that is not necessarily there. Like we can all get behind what I just said, but we don't present it that way. We don't, we don't present it through that frame to the American public. We make it look like, Oh, this group is completely marginalized and is at constant risk for death when it's just not true because it affects no. every group in this country. It affects well, the, the American other, population.
1: The other thing is, in our, in our two-party uh, system...
0: Which I, it, I it, can't it's
1: stand. A, it, it's all about power. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll vote. I will vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Donald Trump before. I thought the way he conducted himself during the Republican primaries four years ago were embarrassing. The way he belittled other, you know, legitimate Mm -hmm. uh, opponents. And so I couldn't bring myself to vote for him in in four years ago. I'll vote for him this time. And people go, you know, how could you vote for him? I'm not voting for him. I'm voting for the right side, what I believe to be the law and order side in America. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna see uh, what I have witnessed from the other side of the, the ledger. I don't buy into some of the gimmickry. And, you know, the way that they've conducted themselves, whether it was this Russian storyline for three years, when I, I don't think anybody over the age of 12 thought there was any legitimacy to that. And yet it ruled day in and day out America for three years. It was bogus, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I tell you what I think, Now, what right. to think. So the, the same thing goes with the, uh, you know, running him out of the, what was, what was the thing that they did um, with that call from Ukraine that led them to do,
0: yeah, the, the you know, impeachment. Huh? Yeah, that impeach led to the impeachment. yeah To
1: impeach him. I mean, I just feel like from day one, he's been, the, the left has tried to regain power. And it's not about America. It's not about building hmm. and making America better. It's about the power that you will try to take over. Uh, and, and it's weakened us, I think, you know?
0: Well, and, and this goes back to when I first really started to pay attention to politics was when I went to Iraq in 2003. And I was, uh, I was 22 years old at the time. Like, you know, none of it really interested me at the moment. I just... You know, the first election I ever voted in was in 2000. I, I, I said this last night, I voted for Ralph Nader. I was the typical college kid who was like, ah, you know, F the two-party system. I'm going to vote for this guy. Knowing that he had no chance in hindsight of ever winning. Um, right. But I looked at like kind of the formation as I really started kind of getting into politics while I was over there. Because I started watching some of the things that went on with the reconstruction efforts, like the, the civilian uh, that was put in charge, Paul Bremer, I've talked about him and, and some of those, right. the, the asinine things that he did. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of what fueled me when I went back to college, because I left obviously to join after 9-11. But when I went back, I, I majored in political science at the University of Central Florida. That's what I got my, my undergrad in. And I just remember thinking, I would watch Fox News. I would watch MSNBC. Well, it was still coming about, but CNN as well. And I just remember thinking, like, none of this is designed to inform us. And I was thinking that as a 22-year-old. I, like, right. And I'm, you know, I'm still dumb. Don't get me wrong. But I, I am a little wiser at this point. And I just right. don't think that we've ever kind of presented fairly the Republican Party in this country. We just don't because you look at how president bush 43 how he was treated during the iraq war you know right after 911 yeah they kind of paused on everything but once we went into iraq you know yes there's critiques to go around i got it but how he was treated up until 2008 when he stepped aside and president obama was elected we saw how president obama was treated and it goes on both sides i'm not saying that like you know hey everyone right. treated him fairly you know fox news right. is but one outlet but they, I would never say that Fox treated President Obama fairly, just like I will never say any of these networks treat President Trump fairly. Right. That's what tends to take place in our, uh, quote, mainstream media, because it is, whether people want to acknowledge sure. it or not, it is dominated by left-wing thought. That's just the reality. Like, you cannot no view any of those outlets, read those papers, and not think that that's where their slant comes from. But that, correct. I also highlight it, Goes back into the fact that most of this stuff is designed around entertainment and pandering to one specific point of view and base, the base right sure, and so now here we are, and uh my brother and I've talked about this. look, do you realize- you know you're older than me, you knew who President Trump was before he was president, like Donald Trump was a rock star in the eighties and came out of that, but everyone loved that guy like musicians wrote songs See, about it, it like he was yeah. adored in hollywood but, he was but, adored but me, and so he... I'm,
1: I'm too i'm too old maybe and too uh, stuck in my ways i thought he was a joke yeah. you know i thought it was a joke yeah. i remember when we all in the did the state of minnesota <laughs> huh i'm serious
0: yeah we I, all I, did I've said, we all did i said
1: about donald trump and i will vote for him because i i oppose i oppose the left more and, and i'm gonna tell you honestly. In my lifetime, my wife and I have supported pro-life movements. We are pro-life mm-hmm. because of our uh, because of our faith. We believe in our Christian faith that life begins at conception. We believe in God, and we don't uh, deny that, and we don't apologize for it. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ will return in glory. And we will end this whole thing that is life on earth. And there will be heaven and there will be hell. I don't apologize for my Christian faith beliefs, but it it is what is central to me. And therefore, when I look at certain things that happen, Donald Trump is a dunce, in my opinion. The man is a dunce. But I believe more on the right side of the ledger than I could ever see on the left. Mm -hmm. I think the left is misguided. I think at times it's it borders on evil and people in this audience may go, Wow, what a lunatic you've invited here tonight. But that's that's what guides me. And mm. you know, I'll be honest with you. We used to watch the news. We used to watch yeah. the nightly news religiously. Yeah.
0: We all we did. can't nope. because Not we anymore. find
1: I find myself cussing while I watch it. And my wife is distraught to the point she thinks I'm going to have a heart attack. (laughs) So we'd rather go out on our golf cart and ride around in the, you know, the late It's just not worth it, right?
0: It's just not worth it. No, it's not. It's
1: not. It's just not.
0: Uh, And here's the other
1: thing. Here's the other thing. You know, I'm a sports talk show host for 25 years in Orlando. I don't know if I will watch any more sports because the political message within it. I mean, you know Orlando. And you know Disney World, where the ESPN uh, center Mm -hmm. out there. I remember when we broadcast live from the grounds of Disney, when they first opened Mm -hmm. the ESPN Wide World of Sports uh, complex. And that's Mm -hmm. where the basketball will be played out there. But, you know, with respect. And, again, I tell you what I think, not what to think. Mm -hmm. When you have across the court Black Lives Matter, that offends me because – you can tell me again what to think, but I'm going to tell you what I think. And that is when you take a knee during the, my national anthem, that offends me. And if you say, well, that's your problem, maybe it is my problem, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I believe that guys like you, guys like my dad, I was born, as you see, I got a bad eye. Okay, when the Vietnam War was on, I got a draft lottery number. It was number one, but because of that thing right there, I failed it. I went four out. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I failed my test. I wasn't able to go serve in this man's army. They said, no, we'll work it. We'll try it without you. Okay. That's what they basically said. <laughs> they always and I said, will. Hey,
0: They'll still go if you need a
1: second tier <laughs> group, call on me, I'll be willing. But that's, that's the way it was for me. But when you, when you take a knee during my Anthem, that offends me. I don't care. You can tell me six ways to Sunday, that I'm not supposed to be offended. I am, because of guys like you, who went overseas, that you know, and and fought for us after our towers are bombed, and people came to this country and took mm-hmm. lives of American citizens mm-hmm. of every creed, of every color.
0: Right.
1: I'm I'm still, you know, hurt. 9/11 mattered to me, and uh, it it always will. I will never forget. That's what we used to preach on 9/11 never during forget. our sports talk yeah. show. Host today is 9/11. We will never forget. That's mm-hmm. the kind of uh, that's who I am at my core. Okay,
0: and you should be allowed to feel that way. And that's Correct. what I feel like isn't happening. It's like it, it, unless you're you're either on, you have to support what everyone else is doing at this moment, and you don't get to feel like you feel. And that's not America.
1: No, it's not. No, you know what we're. And again, to do- I don't want to force. I don't want to force my opinion on you. But again, I don't play by, and I'm not talking to you, Eric. No, I don't I'm talking understand. to anybody who mm-hmm. tells me, well, wait a minute, that's racist. No, look, I don't play by your rules. I play by my own. Yeah. I live by my own rules. I'll be glad to share what rules I play by. You don't have to play by mine, but, right. but I don't have to
0: play by yours. And that's also American, right? But that's what it's supposed so. to be. Yeah. I think you know? so. And um, man, you said a lot. I know I almost wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think. Well, going back to what you said, so you, you mentioned you won't watch sports. Is that because of? Well, what you I'll said, be honest. You know? I have
1: peaked. I have peaked as we do this. Uh, as we do this live, you know, we're two days into the baseball season. And I'm a diehard. Three Giants,
0: I'm a diehard Giants fan, and I See, finally beat the Raid Dodgers. Fucking love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you win? Did you win? Yeah, they won. Braves? They they all right.
0: Man cool. it, The Giants have committed seven errors in three games. I thought they were about they to good. blow it again. Like they can't they can't field routine ground balls. This is so frustrating for me. What's
1: current. interesting, the Braves got beat one to nothing in the opener in Shea uh, I guess I, I call it Shea yeah, City the new, Field in New yeah, York. The new stadium. and then today, Marcelo Suna, who was picked up by the Braves in the offseason with two strikes in the bottom of the ninth, hit a solo homer. To tie the game in City Field, and then the Braves went and got three runs in the tenth inning,
0: okay,
1: and uh, held on to won the game. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm into that. that. The NBA, I, I really don't think I yeah. will see the ball bounce. I really don't. And well, I covered the Orlando Magic. Yeah. you know, for 25 years.
0: I, that's that's been my only access ever to a pro team because of you. Um, well, before we talk about the NBA, but I just wanted to bring back. Do you like? Let me further back it up. So you, you mentioned the political things are kind of turning you off. But here's where I come out on this, man, because none of this really, it doesn't interest me. Like, I've never looked to a professional athlete for a political opinion or guidance. Same here. I tune in, and it's not to discount pro athletes. I'll discount some, like LeBron right. James, because I don't think the man is remotely intelligent enough to, to, to hold the position that he does. He's right. just great at his sport. But if he was my height, no one would give a shit. But he's not, True. he's the greatest basketball right. player on the planet. So everyone, you know, somehow well, you know, looks up to him. You from, know like, what
1: celebrity, celebrity gives. Celebrity culture and, and Let's be well, honest. Trump, as we, as, I told you,
0: like Trump before that, like Trump right. was a door. If Trump would have had the D next to his name and not the R, we would never right. have these issues.
1: If, um, as technology has advanced, we're doing things like this. Right. So it gives everybody in the world a platform. We know that everybody with a camera with a phone yeah. has a camera. And so, you know, you're also a photog, photographer, a videographer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, nothing like that transpired, you know, during years, 20 years ago, et cetera, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, athletes never had that kind of platform. And mm-hmm. those who take it, is there risk? Well, let's be honest. You know, it's kind of it's in my opinion, it's kind of ironic where we talk about, oh woe is me. And with respect to LeBron James, and I admire greatly his talents, but let's be honest, from the, from the time he was 17, the man has been a multimillionaire. Yeah, You know, so uh, don't tell me, oh, woe is me. You've been a one percenter the majority of your life. Right?
0: Right. That's absolutely right. And that's why, so I wanted to kind of, and so before I go further, as I'm looking for the specific quote, but. To tie it in back to sports, like, I, I tune in to see how the final score gets achieved. That's it. I don't need to feel – I don't need to think like my quarterback of my football team or I don't need to think like the point guard of the Magic. I don't care about that. Like, that's the whole point of America. Like You get to have all your opinions too. Right. And we don't have to be aligned in them. But at the end of the day, like when I'm watching sports, when I watch the San Francisco Giants, I grew up a Giants fan. I just happen to be fortunate enough to live out here in this part of the country. Finally, I can watch them every day. I could never do that sure. growing up. So I don't care that, you know, Gabe Kappler and everyone except for I think Coonrod or whatever they do that stood. I don't care that everyone's kneeling. Like I don't go for it. Knock yourself out. I just want to make sure you win between innings one through nine. That's my, right, that's what I right. care about. Um,
1: See, and I, I wrote a, uh... I, I created a new Twitter profile. I won't okay. tell you what it is. I need to find it then. But, but <laughs> what it was, what it was, the reason I did it is there was a Bay Area writer, in the for NBC in the Bay okay. Area, who took issue with that athlete. I forget his name. Uh, he's not one of the stars of the Giants. Uh, he Who's hey, the only guy who didn't?
0: Sam uh, Coonrod. I'm looking at him now. Okay. Yeah.
1: He, he's the only one. He's the only one that didn't uh, right. take a knee. Yep. And he said it's because he's a Christian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was trying to elaborate on it. And this author of this article found fault with that. And I said,
0: everyone I does. wrote him. Everyone finds Twitter. fault with everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I said, who made you God? I think it was yeah. Milton Pool or something. The kids, no, I, there, I know he they, yeah. the guy's last I, name was Pool. I, I said, who made you God? You know, it's like I've said to you. I tell you what I think. I don't tell you what to think. Yeah. I, I allow you to come. Uh, to your own decisions in life and you are responsible for you. Uh, But don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to think. That offends me. You know what I'm saying? I'm human too. And I don't want to infringe on you or any other human being. I don't want to have influence on anyone. If I say something that you agree with, great. We can be brothers or sisters in those thoughts, but uh, for you to challenge another man's thoughts and, and, What's well, his religion
0: him. it was his religion correct That's, yeah if, That's if even you worse.
1: chastise him on his beliefs mm-hmm. who made you god you know in his yeah. world you're not
0: right so here i found the quote you know jason whitlock right you're familiar with him of course okay so jason whitlock is one of the the, the few i think left i'm in a our fan speech. yeah i think he's one of the few honest voices still left uh but he said he wrote a column the other day and his his quote in here and so for everyone who's watching or just listening. If you don't know who Jason Whitlock, I don't want you to think that these are white guy Eric's words. No, these are a a black man who's came from the inner city ghetto as he'll describe his own story. These are his words. And he said, quote, the courageous black professional athlete will be the one bold enough to point out the fraudulence of the movement. And that is what I think won't get any attention when it does happen, because we've already seen this. Like, I'll actually look I I'll bang on LeBron James all we want but you know I'll give him credit for not playing the NBA's game where he's like no I'm not gonna put a fucking phrase on the back of my jersey like you right. didn't talk to me about that and then you're gonna limit it anyway so how about I just put my name on the back guys like that now if LeBron James would have put something on his back I think he is smart enough to realize he's gonna get all the attention one way or the other but he's right. he completely stripped the power out of the media on that aspect because he's like no nah, you're not going to talk about why i did what i did i'm just gonna put my name on the back right so i do give him respect for that because i think like and this goes back to what i said about hey let's i don't do you think i'm really going to tune in to watch the nba to see what you know marquise faults what, what what's on the back of it like i don't care i don't care i'm sure there are people who do oh do we got the cat is this the cat you've always talked about or is this a different that's one?
1: my cat callie
0: uh, it is Callie. I've definitely heard about Callie over the years. That's so cool. We curious. used to have
1: a cat named Monkey. That's okay.
0: That's what it was. Yeah, it was Monkey. Monkey. How monkey long did Monkey into our far?
1: lives, And, and uh, you know, Monkey, <laughs> after about 15 years, we had to put down. It was the saddest day of our lives. Uh, and then our vet called us a year later and asked if we wanted to take on this rescue. Aw. And so this is 14 years later. So, oh, you wow. know, here I thought I'd never be a pet owner. Yep. <laughs> and for what is it like, uh, 25 years of the last 26, we've had a cat and I would, you, you know, uh, I, your entire up, sports talk
0: career. <laughs> Correct.
1: <laughs> and she's a little
0: angel. She is. Hey, so I'm moving in with my girlfriend next weekend in Napa and she has a congratulations. Cat. Thank you. She has a cat. We currently, my daughter and I have a ferret, but she has a cat. Um, she calls the cat Dottie. I call the cat chunk. Cause she's, chunk? Pretty, she's pretty hefty.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but see, that's what sweetheart. happened. She's very me.
0: sweet. She's only about a year old, so she's still a fucking demon. But. We, didn't,
1: we didn't know how to raise a cat, and so <laughs> she got to be a fat cat. So I had to give her a shot of whatever it was every night. It was like so sad because she ballooned. You know, but now <laughs> Callie has just remained. She's a calico, and yeah. so she's a female. And she's she's got great markings.
0: She she's blue just eyes?
1: beautiful. Huh? Does she have blue eyes. I don't think so.
0: No, uh, maybe just the way that she looked. Yeah, maybe she does. Maybe,
1: maybe she does. She got lost here. Aww. I got panicked here in the villages. We put her out in the backyard for just a little bit one night, <laughs> and I went out about two minutes later, and she was gone.
0: Took off. For and so
1: that was very scary. But she loves her daddy, as, she as you should. can tell.
0: The the breadwinner. That's tell. right. She should. She, she understands who the greatest sports talk radio. Oh, she's host a showboy. Look at her. <laughs> Look at very her. calm. See, I couldn't do that with our with this. Well, I, I guess it's technically good. I'm going to be our cat. She's just too young still. But
1: you know, you know we were out there. UCF played uh, Stanford. Santa, uh, played Stanford. Stanford. Stanford.
0: Yep, beautiful. And, Did and, you actually go out to the game?
1: Oh God, yes. I'm the. of that recorded? campus? Isn't
0: that Frank? campus beautiful?
1: <laughs> I loved it.
0: Oh, it's that place. Here, is here's gorgeous. the thing. That
1: year, Uh, you know we had a quarterback. Who got injured in the Stanford game on the third snap of our first series offensively? He broke McKenzie his right. He broke no, no 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 no. That's way before Milton. Oh okay. I forget his name. It was the third play of the game, but he broke his hand hitting it against a helmet. He had to have surgery on it. He missed like the first ten games or something like that. Mm. And the week before that, we had lost our key wideout on a kick return to a torn ACL. And here we're playing – who's the running back for Stanford that's now in the NFL? Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. yeah, he, he was yeah. there. I mean, UCF yeah. was like, we are so overmatched. Stanford, <laughs> Stanford was one of the picks that year to get to the Final Four. But mm-hmm. the first week of that season, they lost their first game at Northwestern. So here we go out there, and it was almost scoreless at the half, and then they hit like a fluke play, a 50-yard flea flicker. For a touchdown they, they, they won the game going away later but uh it was beautiful to go out there and spend time yeah. we went to uh what is it pnc
0: park well that's now, you're talking about the, the giant stadium or the Padres? yeah what,
1: what is it well the What's giant, the giant stadium,
0: stadium at the time it was at&t park now it's now it's oracle no so you did no it's at
1: it's a it's still so at&t the, or they changed it to no oracle. it's
0: yeah it's oracle okay. as of last year
1: we we stayed in near san francisco san mateo
0: Okay, yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, we went to a Giants game that night. It's beautiful, uh, isn't it? Friday night. It's tremendous.
0: It's a, it's the, I, I, I would go there just to hang out. I don't even need to watch the game. I love being in that building. Like, it's just magical to me. Now, to I'm me. Like I said, I'm a Giants guy. fan, so, you know. Sure.
1: I, I'm a diehard baseball fan. I've been a baseball fan since uh, the Milwaukee Braves existed, you know. And, yeah. I, and hey, I, here, I, right? I honestly, I was a sports talk show host for 25 yep. years. And prior to Orlando – I was a sports talk show host in another market in, in Florida. So, you know, sports talk has been my career,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but getting away from it. And I said to my wife, when I retired, you know, I said, I know you feel like a game was always more important than you because you know, Eric, as a sports talk show host, you're a seven day a week guy.
0: Yeah, you you got
1: games and you got games at night. You mm-hmm. got games every weekend. You've got to pay attention. If you're going to be on top of your game come Monday through Friday to talk about all the games, you better be watching games. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when I retired, I mean, I watched – I love college football. So when we moved up here, obviously I follow UCF. I'm a Notre Dame guy because I grew up in northern
0: Indiana. Unbelievable. And, Go blue. And and
1: so I still, you know, love <laughs> Notre Dame as well as UCF. That's your,
0: that's your only flaw, Jerry. That's it. You think so? you, know,
1: <laughs> That's what, you
0: I hate Notre Dame. I was waiting for them. Are you high? I was waiting for that to come out. <laughs> that
1: was one of my uh,
0: key that lines was. To, that was the to one. callers. Yep.
1: That's what I always said to people. Like, what are you, high? <laughs> Standard. And normally, most of them probably were.
0: Probably, well, hey, out here, everybody's high, apparently. But me, I can't. Army. But uh, yeah. You yeah, but all I, grew you I grew up.
1: I grew up, you know, in the 60s and early 70s. So, I know what uh, being addicted to weed was like. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was. And, uh, you know, but I hear, I don't know, I truly don't, that the weed is 10 times stronger than anything I smoked, except the stuff that came back from the Orient, stuff that came back from Nam or you know what? Uh, when, I, areas when I finally
0: like that. retire and get out of the army, Jerry, I'll reach out to you and we'll talk again and I'll give you some, uh, some other stories. Let's just leave it, uh, uh, leave
1: it at that. Thai stick is the stuff that we used to I'll leave it at
0: that. Thai
1: stick. Stuff that came from it. Thailand. That <laughs> shit would kill you.
0: You know, what's funny now is being out here, because it's still not legal in Florida, right? No. Okay. So out here, you know, the billboards are the funniest thing because they just advertise for whether it's delivery, price, size. They got these little cute marketing gimmicks for the for everything
1: like. what is, what do I, what is a uh, let's see we used to buy by the ounce uh oh, no there's a billboard buy-
0: now for the eighth you can get eighth of an ounce for 20 bucks in the Little liberty oh hey and there's one down the street in vallejo they do 20 percent veterans discount so
1: really <laughs> well like i said i am <laughs> told i am told that it is 10 times stronger than anything mm-hmm. almost anything that we ever had
0: well, if you ever do a West Coast trip, I would uh, encourage no, you, no, no, encourage no, no, you no. to partake. You are, you are free to do whatever I, you want at this point.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to okay. happen.
0: All right. Well, if you do ever, I uh, know the West Coast is Napa. I mean, we got the wine. You guys like wine? Right. All yeah, right. of course, duh. Okay, well, my, my girl is a, a partner in a wine label, so we can, really, yeah, she's she's a she's pretty awesome. uh We would we
1: would love way to, out of my uh,
0: league, but don't tell her she'll need to know. Yeah,
1: I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> no, we would. Whoops, I'm sorry. The whiskey fumbled. got away from me there yeah, just ooh, a little bit. That's that's a foul. Fumbled, fumbled my phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh anyway, you know, life is good for us. We're we're happy about where we're at. Uh, my wife doesn't like for me to even tell the story but she is a two-time cancer survivor Uh, she had colon cancer 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and then it it was colon cancer and then it returned immediately and the night of her second surgery uh, the surgeon told me i don't think she'll live a year well that was 15 years ago she's been cancer free that entire time we are we are so blessed Mm -hmm. and uh, we believe you know, that we received honestly a miracle that that happened because he told me I wasn't able to get all of the cancer. And when oh, you wow. hear that, yeah, it will take you to your knees in a hurry. Uh, and that I'm just saying I was not strong enough to stand. I was weeping so hard. And then the, the other thing, Eric and I, maybe it's the whiskey talking, Let it but up. for my, for my wife and I, um, we, we retired, and we moved here to the villages in May of 2019. And on Thanksgiving Day, we were waiting for our son, our only child, to arrive from Orlando. He's a Dallas cow, Cowboy diehard, and so he didn't show up for kickoff. And it's like, duh, come on, what's going on? Anyway, our son died of a massive heart attack on Thanksgiving mm-hmm.
0: day. See, I didn't and so, know how he died. I like, I was never going to reach out to ask that, but
1: we, uh, we lost our only child on Thanksgiving heart day attack. of 2019. So we've had a tough year, you know, we've been yeah. mom, especially. Uh, and so I feel my job, you know, is to be uh, to is to have been a provider and someone who is a caretaker, and it's, it's been a tough year. When you throw in COVID, when you throw yeah. in everything else, but, you know, when you throw in the holidays and my Mother's Day and Father's Day to have lived through this the last year, it's been a very difficult year for us.
0: That's – that's, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how you could – I don't even know how to deal with that. To be honest, I have a daughter who's 14. Yeah. She's in the other room there. I can hear her messing around on my guitar. Um, sure. You talk about COVID. I I I've recently, I've discussed this enough, not that um, I would expect you to have heard it, but uh, both of my parents caught it about two months ago. And um, my dad is the prototypical guy who shouldn't have made it. If I'm being honest, because of just wow. his health issues and everything. And they're both fine. Sure. And I'm, 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 blessed and grateful for that but sure yeah it's unfortunately it's not something you're ever ready for when it does happen no. I lost my grandfather last year in November and that he's the main reason I joined the army you know he of that branch um, he was That's always cool. always the if I take after anybody in my family it's him and and that guy like the guy is the most iconic member of my family to me like he was always just like he's a rock star to me and so when I finally lost him it was just like I felt like I'd be fine. You know, I'm good. And then when I finally got to the state to the funeral, and I saw him land, like, dude, I, I lost it. Like, I, I, there's no way. I spoke at his funeral later on, and um, yeah, unfortunately, like, death is something we just, we all know it's going to happen, right? But we're never ready for it. We're just nothing. No, and- And then you as a father, you know, I can't imagine losing Our son,
1: son. Uh, our son lived in Orlando, so mm-hmm. he was a periodic visitor with us. It's almost surreal even to this day. know it's not as though he was a child who lived with us i can't even imagine losing and burying a child who lives with you yeah so there are moments obviously that we hold on to one another where we can't control our emotions because it's still so raw and so fresh and yet um you know it is it's it's something that we have had to come to terms with and deal with, and there are nights where we just uh, hold each other, and and my wife Annie and I will celebrate our our 38th wedding anniversary in August.
0: I'm and 39, we're proud of Jerry. So that's awesome. Huh? I said
1: I'm 39, yeah. so that's awesome. Yeah, we got married in 1982. <laughs> come here, Kelly. You can come here. Showboat. <laughs> she still wants to be a part of this.
0: As she should. I wish she could talk. We could ask her some questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she does talk what's she it loves like, her dad the, what's it like having
0: honest. Jerry as your dad what's that like Callie
1: exactly she'd say hey this guy is the greatest wink
0: wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Exactly. Uh, you know
1: the, the the thing is the truth is though about sports is that going back to my years as a sports talk show host I I don't miss it compared to being retired because mm-hmm. I threw myself at it you know I worked so hard because I'm a dumb Hoosier, I'm born in Indiana,
0: and you're a Notre and Dame what, fan, so
1: and Notre Dame guy. <laughs> but, but what I tried to do every day on the radio was prove that I'm not an illiterate. I always told people I don't I don't know many words, but I have good diction. You know? <laughs> so I try to use that as a positive.
0: So how did that? How did that? St- like let Let's go back a little bit. I just because there, there's two things I kind of want to know from you. One is what. Why did you get into, to, to, or how did you get into radio, number one? Obviously, I don't know. Maybe you noticed you had a good voice. I don't know. But why, how did you get into radio? Did you go to college for that, or did you do I, this? You
1: know, I went, I went to a junior college. I'm from okay. Indiana. Yeah. And I, went, I was recruited as a basketball player to go to a junior college. So let's be honest. I'm not going to Duke or Carolina <laughs> or IU <laughs> I'm going to a junior college on a basketball scholarship. So I could play the game a little bit yeah. to a level that junior college athletes are capable of playing. Okay? So let's not pretend I'm yeah. Magic Johnson.
0: I understand right? our fleeting okay. athletic abilities well. I was So uh...
1: <laughs> in my second year, this is in Minneapolis. All right. Mm-hmm. So in Minneapolis as a second year junior college basketball player, I learned about this in Minneapolis. I learned and where all these the the third precinct of Minneapolis that was ruined, you know, knocked to the ground. My broadcasting school was a block and a half away. So as a basketball player in, in Minneapolis, late in my second year junior college. I learned about a broadcasting school in Minneapolis. And I went down there and talked to the people there and learned that I could end up being, go to the broadcast school. And they guaranteed you a full-time job in radio if you came to the school. It's like, duh, you guarantee me a full-time job, I'm in. So I went to this 10-month radio broadcasting school And ended up getting a full time job, you know, of all places, Fort Myers, Florida, as a rock jock. There was no such thing as talk radio. This is 1974. And so I became a rock jock in Fort Myers, Florida. I'd never been to Florida. It pinched me. You know, I'm leaving Minneapolis, it's snowing, and I now am moving to Fort Myers, Florida, and I'm gonna play rock and roll music. What's not to like? And so I did that for 12 years. Oh, wow. And then I thought, holy God, what am I going to do with my life? I'm playing music for, <laughs> 12 you years. know, and talk radio started to evolve and I became a talk radio personality and I'm doing, uh, crime and juvenile crime and county commission meetings. And it's like, I'm going to kill myself if <laughs> I have to do talk radio.
0: So I evolved
1: into sports talk radio. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. It makes more sense. And, you know, I'm
1: I'm talking, you know, so I got the opportunity to do sports talk radio. And then this job, they came to me in Fort Myers, Florida, and they said, um, there's a new all sports radio station opening up in Orlando. It's the first all sports station ever in Orlando. And so I applied and I won the job. And boom, the rest was history.
0: Was that 580? Was that the one? No, 540. 540, that's right, 540. We
1: we were 540 AM. Eventually, they took our 540 and moved it to 740. It was the same format. 540 the team, yeah. And so we were 740 for many, many, many years. And then, Eric, you know, the stupidity of the ownership, they decided, we're going to change formats. They came to me and said, we're going to change formats. I said, what? What are you going to do? They said, we're going to take the sports station and make it Mexican music.
0: I remember this. I said, what are you kidding me? I do remember this. (laughs) I said, are you kidding me? It wasn't even Puerto Rican music, which was actually popular uh, because the entire population of Orlando that isn't white is Puerto Rican. So yeah, Mexican was odd.
1: (laughs) So I changed radio stations. You remember that?
0: I moved across
1: town. Yep, I I would not have wanted to do that. I wanted to stay at the station I was at, but they changed formats. There's no more sports. So I went across town to another sports station, and I was over there almost 10 years. That's where you and I met. Yep. And then (laughs) I had the opportunity later to go back because they decided to ditch the Mexican music format.
0: Oh, imagine that.
1: They went back, yeah. No kidding, duh. (laughs) (laughs) And so they went back to all sports, and I went back over there, and that's where I finished my career in Orlando.
0: Were you? Did you finish with with Mike? Mike Tuck? No. Oh, okay. The shot doctor. What? You went back with the shot doctor?
1: Yes, for two years. Really? Yes, Mike. Wow. Mike Tuck. Mike Tuck, who might be a little, you know, in on this. Mike Tuck was always part time, so I. I called him one time and I said, Mike, I can get you a full-time job if you come over and join me. And so he said, boom, I'm in. So I hired him. Well, after we were over there for about eight years, yeah, he got fired.
0: He got fired?
1: He got fired. And so eventually, I had an opportunity to go back to iHeart, which was Clear Channel. I had an opportunity to go back and join the shot doctor. And so I did that. The last two years, I was in Orlando.
0: How, how, did, how did Mike get fired, or is this not? Well,
1: it was. It wasn't anything he did. It, it was just, that, oh, so it was kind of no. It was the economy. Okay, the
0: economy that makes okay, so That's fine. All right, that makes the sense. seems like, like
1: so bad.
0: Yeah, I, I. I mean, I remember meeting Mike a few times. And like he's just the nicest guy.
1: No, he, is. <laughs> he was. The, the ownership came to me and said, hey, we got to fire Mike because we can't pay the bills. And it's like, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. that. <laughs> but I, you know what I honestly yeah. said? I said, fire me. Fire me. I'm old enough. I can retire. Well, so no, <laughs> we're not going to fire you. We're going to fire Mike.
0: Oh, wow. So the so, ageism worked against him at this time. Usually, it's always the old guy that gets the ax.
1: Correct. I told them, though. I said, fire me. They said, you're the reason. That we are alive. <laughs> and I said, well, that's a compliment. But on the other hand,
0: it's the golden you know, lights.
1: are you going to, are we going to have lights in the building when we do the show?
0: Hey, that's kind of the best was- thing about radio is you don't really need lights, right? You just kind of, True.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, it was wow, an so amazing he went back
0: with shock Cause I, I always thought, yeah. Cause I remember when you, you and him originally parted. Um, I mean, I know he was a nice guy. I met him once, but he was like, I, anytime you let him talk, I turned it off. I just. It know, was, I was
1: rain, talking. man. It was, was Rain ne-
0: Man. I was never a Shot Doctor fan. I just no, like Shot how you Doctor
1: were... in Orlando. For those who know, for yeah. those who don't know, was like, you know, your co-host was Rain Man. So anytime <laughs> there was a there was a sports <laughs> political story, we couldn't talk about it because he he only wanted to talk strikes and balls, you know, jump shots and three yep. pointers. He just wanted to do pure sports. Yep. and I wanted to do a little bit more topical. You know what I'm saying?
0: I, we but. Could, we, we, I think sports could, I think you almost, you may have missed your window to that. Like you did your thing forever. You retired and all, but I feel like you would have a bigger role probably today doing that because you are also kind of what Clay Travis and those guys are doing. Like you're, you're not left wing but you're right. also not overtly the other side. You're just honest. No. And, I, no. and that's what's what misrepresented. I, you know what I mean? Like I have
1: strong, I've always said, you know, I have strong opinions about yeah. life and you know, I go back to some things that I said earlier in this show, which is I tell you what I think. Mm. I don't tell you what to think. Right. You're a human being. You have a brain. I'm going to respect you. If you and I disagree, we, we, you know, we may come to, you know, we may have strong opinions, one against each other, but I'm not going to rail on you as a human being. You know, I mean, you, you are my brother and you and i you and I may disagree on some things, but that's not going to keep us from a friendship, a bond. I hope not. It's not going to be, that's not, that's not what I'm going to do. I have lost friends, Eric, I'll be honest with you. I have lost friends, a very, very dear friend because
0: he couldn't,
1: he made politics number one.
0: I think we he all made have politics first yeah. over
1: our friendship.
0: <clears throat> I think we. And all so have.
1: I had to say, well, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, that's. I I, I just don't. Uh, and you know the 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 girl I talked to yesterday, a, a good friend of mine who I met uh, through the military in F or uh, in Air of John in Kuwait in 2015. I, I just talked to her for two and a half hours last night. We don't agree on anything other than our chosen method of working out and our love for this country. But right. she's articulate enough to at least talk her side. And, I, and it's great. And that's my whole point. That's the original reason why I wanted to do this show. I don't want to like broadcast an echo chamber. I think that's boring. It's stupid. I want to prove sure. that we can have Americans with their views, whether they're different from me or not. And we can still be civil and have a conversation. And usually it centers around bourbon, right? So I hear you. That, what that, is, doing that is my is- thing.
1: I'm literally moving in my own home because I my phone tells me that it is low on power. But phone. what I'm going to do is uh, boost it here just a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know how long you want me to bore you and others.
0: Hey, we'll, we'll keep going. I, I was going to ask you because it's uh, about 10 o'clock your time. I know you probably got another 38 holes or something to play tomorrow. But um, I did have a few more things to ask you. But if, if we need Let's to wrap talk. it up, we can. Yeah. Okay. Dude, so, you know and this is this is important to me because uh, I am a UCF grad myself. Uh, I do follow the team. I grew up a Michigan football fan, and I cannot stand the program anymore. Um, so, I most of my I'll, I'll still watch, but most most of my attention is on finally my alma mater because they matter and they never did for a very long time. They, they sure. put out a lot of pro players. They've had a lot of great players throughout the history. Tremendous. of Tremendous. Yeah. So that, let me start there. Who in your 24 years, who was your, whether it was your favorite player to cover or, or what? Who, who, who did you, wow. who always stand, who stands out the most, I guess?
1: Oh, there's, there's too many guys. Exactly. There are too many guys. <laughs> but now you got to I them. love, I, I'll be honest with you though. I love the Griffin twins. She came and Shaquille. Yeah,
0: killed. yeah. Those, yeah. There were nights Driving where, in the NFL right now.
1: There were nights where those guys lost. They were with the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. And if, for those who forget, the one is the one guy with the one arm.
0: Shaquem. And, mm-hmm.
1: and, and I'm a twin. And so yeah. twins mean something to me. Uh, I have a twin brother named Terry. Of course, I got the looks. I got the brains. <laughs> not, But... Uh,
0: Does he sound like you? Guys, Do you guys have a similar voice?
1: See, no, no, no. no? no. He's okay. a newspaper guy. Plus, he married right. money. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we won't get into that <laughs>
0: all right you know, shots, he, fired. He, shots fired. shots okay. fired
1: more, more power to him. you know what i'm saying <laughs> i don't deny i don't uh, whatever those words would be as i told you i don't know many words <laughs> you just but I good uh but but the point about the griffin twins there'd be nights that ucf would lose and i'm the sideline reporter and i do the post game from the locker room and if you remember uh UCF for, I think, 14 years, George O'Leary was the head coach.
0: Yes. George
1: O'Leary was the head coach at uh, Georgia Tech.
0: Mm-hmm. And then he
1: became the head coach at Notre Dame.
0: For about a until week. Until
1: they found out that yeah, he... for about a week. <laughs> or less. <laughs>
0: Maybe and less. And they
1: found out that he cheated on his resume, and he said that he was this or that. But in reality, and I love George O'Leary, mm-hmm. but George O'Leary was a prick, okay? <laughs> and so... <laughs> It's my total belief, and I know Notre Dame people. Once George O'Leary was found out to have, you know, added to his resume that was there for years, they met George O'Leary for four or five days. They were not going to defend George O'Leary because he was a prick. Okay, if 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 they were, if George O'Leary was a guy that everybody liked the first four or five days at Notre Dame, they would have had his back. Yeah. They didn't have his back because they saw who he was. Mm. And in, uh, then after that, he couldn't find a job and he ended up being the defensive coordinator for yep. the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Yep, I remember. Because there well. was
1: a guy, I forget his name, who became the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings who Mike worked Tice. for George O'Leary. Huh?
0: Mike, Mike Tice. Mike Tice.
1: Yes, Tice worked for George O'Leary, mm-hmm. I believe it was at uh, Georgia Tech. Okay. So, Tice was there, and when o- O'Leary was on, living on a limb, Tice hired him at Minnesota to be the defensive coordinator. So, here he is now. At least he's back in the game. And then O'Leary was hired to be the head coach at UCF. The first year, he went unbeaten. He no, 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 no. He's are the only
0: no, major sorry. college coach Obviously. to have two no, no, no. defeated seasons, right?
1: No, 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 no. It wasn't <laughs> unbeaten. It was winless. Yes, that's First coach different. to have
0: two of those.
1: Yes, he, was, <laughs> he ran off all the Pirates on the UCF football team. Because UCF at that hour, when he became the head coach, had a bunch of Pirates on the team. They, they ran the ship. And he ran them off. And then they, they didn't win a game. And then the next year, they were bowl eligible. So he was like, wow, look what he has done. But he was a difficult SOB. He was a son of a bitch. Uh, And I had to deal with him every post game. Okay. Oh my God. It was hard. It was like, just get ready to get beat up verbally. I'd ask him. Was he
0: like a Bill Belichick, but for college, you think?
1: No, worse.
0: Worse. You think worse?
1: I would ask him a question, coach, talk to me about tonight's game. So he would do an overview of the game in 49 seconds. He would do a complete overview of the game in 49 seconds. Now what am I supposed to do? (laughs) So I say to him, Coach, you guys turned the ball over four times tonight. I already told you that. I already told you that. He would just beat me up verbally. So now we travel with the team, okay? Uh So this is a road loss. So when we get ready to get on the plane, he'd be standing. We're out on the tarmac. We'd have to climb the steps to get on the plane he'd be standing at the bottom of the stairwell and he'd go, Hey, O'Neal, I was just busting your balls. (laughs) I go, coach, I know. I don't know how many times I heard him say that to me. Hey, O'Neal, I was just busting your balls. (laughs) So at the end of George O'Leary's career, thanks be to God, (laughs) he got let he was told I was in the room by the, the president at UCF John hit oh, wow. coach wow. this is the end we're gonna tell people tonight that this is your last year he goes I'm not telling people tonight this is my last year <laughs> he goes I'm out of here if that's the way it's gonna be so that was the end of George O'Leary's career and we 14, went winless
0: 14 years
1: yes and then uh, UCF hired Scott Frost. Yep. And it was the difference of day and night. For those mm-hmm. who know college football, he's now at Nebraska. Scott Frost was at UCF for two years.
0: Never should have left. The first
1: – I'm sorry?
0: I, I don't think he should have left, but – He didn't want to leave.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you something, and I'm being I, honest Yeah, with
0: give me this because I, I, yes. I, this is insight. This is Scott, good.
1: Scott Frost was at UCF two years. Mm-hmm. The first year was to follow a winless season. Yep. He got us bull eligible. It became a, a, a change in culture. Mm-hmm. People talk about that, but he did it. Yep. And he made kids want to play football again. And he made kids enjoy football again. Scott Frost was a great guy. He was a guy you want in your foxhole,
0: oh, I soldier. Believe it. <laughs> I, believe, I believe it. Trust
1: me. He, he was a guy that you want in your foxhole. He was a seal. Okay, that's how good he was. And he could play the game even at that level.
0: Yeah, Nebraska. And so
1: that year, UCF was bowl eligible. They lost a bowl game. Mm -hmm. But the next year, we went – did we go unbeaten the next year?
0: Yes, we did. It was 2017.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember back.
0: Oh, I remember. (laughs) And
1: then at the end of the regular season, his dad was trying to court him back to take the Nebraska job. Scott Frost didn't want to go. This his first head coaching job was UCF. Yeah. He didn't he didn't want to leave UCF. That was his baby. In fact, he and his wife had just had a baby. I remember. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. Scott Frost wept when he committed to Nebraska. Not cried, he wept. There's a difference. He fell apart. He didn't want to leave UCF, but he had to because of his father. So he had to go back. You know, we prayed that Nebraska would be good so that Scott Frost wouldn't have to leave UCF. He didn't want to leave UCF. But he, he then left. He had he committed to U, to Nebraska, mm-hmm. but yet he came back and coached UCF and that coaching yeah, staff that did. Yeah, that whole game. That whole yeah. coaching staff. That whole coaching staff left to go to Nebraska, every one of them. He hired every one of them to go to Nebraska. But uh, he came back and coached, and UCF beat Auburn, and that was the year that we ended up getting this guy, the ring.
0: There it is. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, well, so let me, let, let, let me stay on Scott Frost because you say okay. – why, why do you, what, what did his, what did his dad have to do with it? Well, what... His dad
1: wanted, Scott Frost was the quarterback in Nebraska. Yes. The last yep. time Nebraska was great. Tom. Tommy Tom, Frazier. Tom, Tom,
0: Tom. Tommy Ooh? Frazier. Tommy Frazier.
1: No, not Tommy Fraser. Oh, you're talking
0: about Tom Osborne. I thought you meant the quarterback. Tom yeah, Tom Osborne. Yeah.
1: Tom, Os- Tom Osborne was the head coach. Yeah. And Scott Frost was the quarterback that led them to a national championship. Mm-hmm. yes Tommy Frazier did as well
0: after but, then, yeah, uh, Scott
1: in fact they beat Florida if you remember right
0: I do so Scott Scott, Scott Frost
1: was the quarterback mm-hmm. that led them to a national championship so Tom Osborne wanted Scott Frost and Scott Frost's dad wanted him to come back and take Nebraska to great heights Scott Frost didn't want to do that he wanted to stay at UCF he knew he had a good thing at UCF he could he could uh you recruit. He could get He, he could better recruit. Players. Absolutely. See, it's the whiskey.
0: It's the whiskey. You see how empty
1: this is? It's hey, the whiskey.
0: Talk. Hey, look. Pick a bottle, man. You can have whatever you want. Just, hey, do me a favor. Leave the ice out of it this time. What, what? are you doing, Jerry? What are you doing? Why are we putting <laughs> ice? What are, what are you, a scotch drinker? You don't put ice in bourbon? Uh, no. Never mind.
1: I okay. had ice in my whiskey. All right.
0: You know what? You can so drink Scott it however Frost. you want. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Scott Frost. It's gone. Scott yeah. Frost wanted to stay at UCF. That was his first head coaching job. He he had an unbeaten team. In two years he went from winless to unbeaten. We're yep. we're playing the likes of, you know, Auburn. We're going toe to toe with teams that beat Georgia and Alabama. He didn't want to leave that. How good is that? He's got and the other thing is, see, he's recruiting kids, freshman kids, who are playing. He's winning recruits who could have gone to florida they could have gone to florida state they could have gone to bama they're coming to ucf because they get an opportunity to play right away mm-hmm. and he loves that and we are scoring 50 points a game in college football mm-hmm. you know what's not to like <laughs> and those kids love that kind of stuff
0: yeah and they had a defense and so it wasn't all one-sided better. yeah it wasn't they got better on that side yeah. of the
1: ball you, you just know, named the really Griffin
0: had. brothers. I mean, we, that's that's those are products they of the had there. Yeah.
1: They were getting great athletes, and you know when your when your offense is scoring nine plays, seventy three yards in a minute nine in that's, nineteen yeah, seconds. That's,
0: that's rough. You know,
1: defense <laughs> got to go play football.
0: Yeah, that is rough. But, um, you know,
1: when, when we got called out by schools that didn't think that we were capable, and then we went toe to toe. You know the. Even when O'Leary was the coach and Blake Bortles was the quarterback, people thought, well, we can't go out and play with Baylor out in the desert. Really? We were the biggest underdog. We
0: were the laughing 17 points. 17-point underdog.
1: Right. 17 points. I said, you know, as the sideline reporter, I said, you got it right. 17 points was a difference. Of course, UCF was beating Baylor by that score.
0: I was in Afghanistan for that. I got up at four in the morning to watch that game in Afghanistan. And it was, that was snowing. Gracious. I remember it was snowing in Afghanistan outside the little room I was in watching the game. And that, that was probably my favorite game I ever watched.
1: See, here here's the other thing. UCF won 25 games in a row. Mm-hmm. And in the 24th game, Mackenzie Milton, who was the quarterback <laughs> of UCF, he would finish sixth and eighth in the Heisman Trophy balloting, had – such an incredible knee injury that the night of the UCF-USF game,
0: yeah, USF he game. almost
1: had his leg amputated.
0: That's fucking – that's that's mind-blowing. And that's I just... was
1: there. I was there within five feet of Mackenzie Milton when he laid there. And he was in such shock. And, Eric, I'll be honest with you. It probably was like a war injury.
0: Oh, where it had to be. For it to be that life – yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's fucking where, – Where the – in this case, the athlete versus the soldier would be in such shock. You're not in pain. You're just in shock Mm -hmm. and you don't know real from unreal. And so where your buddies are carrying you to a helicopter to try to save your life and they know that you have an opportunity to survive the same thing with this kid. And so he wasn't in pain. He was just in shock. So he's being carted away and I have tears rolling down my cheeks because I know how much he meant to UCF, not just as an athlete, but as a leader. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On the, on the field of combat, our combat was football. And so he's being carted away. And now you're bringing on this athlete who hasn't had any experience. And now we went on to win that game against USF mm-hmm. in Tampa in uh, the, the place where, where uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks play, that same stadium. And now we go on to play USF, not USF. Oh, no, LSU. We're going to play Memphis.
0: In oh, the right, right, that's, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
1: Memphis is the team that can go score 50 points in a game like we can. Yep. We had one of the most wild college football games in two years running with them in the conference championship game. And we went out and won that game. So now, without Mackenzie Milton, we got to go play LSU in the desert. We go play in – what's the stadium out there? I forget. Uh, uh, in, uh, it's only because of the liquor.
0: I mean, it's in, it's in Arizona. Obviously. Tempe. No, it's not Tempe. 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 It's in Tempe. It's, uh, no, Glendale. 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 Yeah, the, the Fiesta Bowl, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we're playing there. That's where Blake Bortles beat Baylor. So yep. now we're going back out there you at UCF had a two touchdown or a 10 point lead.
0: And, they, a ten point and I lead. thought they, they knocked Joe Burrow out for a second. I, Correct. Thought, I thought, I thought, Correct.
1: We, <laughs> for those who remember that game, Joe Burrow would look like he was dead on the field.
0: He did. I think, and I think, unfortunately, you know what? I think that hit did. I think it, it made him who he is today. Correct. I think we, not only we, that, we turned the light finally, on that man.
1: We, <laughs> we picked him off. We picked him off and returned a score for a touchdown. Yep. We have a 10 point lead. We have just sacked him on another play. We have a 10-point lead. We totally are dominating the opening quarter against, against LSU. They have, by the way, not lost since. But, nope. I, but that, what that happened, hit did was it. Burrow was sacked on a third down right after we picked him off for a returned for a touchdown. We sacked him on a third down. The entire stadium there at Glendale is UCF-oriented. I mean, LSU has a ton of fans, but everybody who's not an LSU fan is a UCF fan. Mm-hmm. We, are, we have won them over. So we have sacked Joe Burrow. We have a 10-point lead. And the guy who sacked Joe Burrow thought that Burrow fumbled the ball yep. and that he, he recovered the fumble. And the referee called the ball dead, and it was dead. He mm-hmm. picked up the football and fired it into yep. the ground. Flag. And they call a personal foul. That was it. 15-yard penalty. Joe Burrow comes back on the field with stitches or band-aids yep. in yeah, his, underneath chin. his
0: chin. Yeah.
1: He leads them to a touchdown. They get us a three and out, and they start to dominate the game. We got a touchdown in the final minute of the half. Yep. But uh, they were the better team.
0: Oh, yeah. But, they better be. You know, once you
1: have, it's <laughs> like a boxer. Yeah. You got him on the ropes. Yep.
0: You, you got to finish you, him, he, and you can't make he, stupid plays or stupid not penalties. Not knocking him out. Yep.
1: And that penalty was a, was a game changer.
0: Yeah. Well, football and we more lost, than, football think, more than anything – I think football, more than anything, talent eventually wins out, right? And that's what that was. LSU was, the pal- LSU was the more talented team, but UCF had its shot, and they blew it. Yes. Because of the penalty. And we had
1: a 10-point lead with yep. the ball, and they had not stopped us to that point. If we go put more points on the And that's with the, the, the board, backup
0: quarterback who played – that was like, what, his fourth game ever? No,
1: it was less than that.
0: Yeah, I was like – oh, yeah. It, third game ever. It, Second it, it start, was, third game ever.
1: Correct. And yeah. he was a red shirt guy.
0: Yep. So and then he's like, not even the quarterback today. That's what's even more amazing. Like it's Gil- correct. Gabriel or what? Gilbert Gabriel. That was, yeah.
1: Correct. Yeah. He couldn't even win the job the yeah. next year.
0: He's just, he's just a great athlete, but he's not, a, he's just not a quarterback. He you?
1: was, but against athletes like what LSU had. Yeah. But you know, we, we were track stars. We had track yep. stars at every wideout position. We had track stars at every running back position and we were unique. We were yeah. We were really unique to college football. I love. And, like, uh,
0: I think that team was. I think I like that team better than the one the year prior. I really do. I like that team better. And I, if if Milton didn't get hurt, there's no chance. There's no doubt in my mind they would have. They would have blew the doors off of LSU.
1: Well, we would. I believe we would have won that game. I'm convinced yeah. of it.
0: Even uh, falling because, behind, because he's he's Milton. Whatever you, whatever you say about it. Mackenzie Milton had that like that guy was the guy that no one was going to be like, never feel like they're out of the, he's like Tom Brady in a sense that you never feel like you're out of the game.
1: I stood with Scott Frost and Mackenzie Milton. There were three of us, Scott Frost, Mackenzie Milton, and me in the big house at Michigan and, and Mackenzie Milton did not play in that game. And Scott Frost walked off the field. Mackenzie Milton at the big house in Michigan had tears in his eyes because he wasn't playing. And Scott Frost said to him, you will win conference player of the year on my watch. And, and I think he was saying that because he felt Milton might leave UCF. There were moments where, where uh, Mackenzie Milton thought about leaving UCF early in his career. Because as a freshman at UCF, Mackenzie Milton was booed off the field because the offense was so bad. Mackenzie mm-hmm. Milton was so new to the game of college football that he would, he would take snaps in the Scott Frost offense and the line would let him down where he'd be running around trying to save his own neck. Yep. And the offense was being booed off the field his freshman year. That was a year where they went from winless to bowl eligible. It was the next year that they became really great. So, it, 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 was a, it was unbelievable to be a part of the UCF experience all those years, especially, you know, during those years that UCF was the only team unbeaten in college football. It was tremendous.
0: Do you think, do you think Milton's going to play again?
1: I do. I really do.
0: Who's he going to play for?
1: Well, I think it's UCF. Really? But, you know, 2020 now is up in the air.
0: 2020
1: yeah. is totally up in the air as far as and, – and, you know, UCF had a schedule uh, that had them playing, I think, North Carolina or Georgia Tech or both. And now that's well, – I know they were happen.
0: playing yeah, – they, yeah, they were playing both Carolina and Georgia Tech, two wins. I don't think either
1: – you know, the, the ACC has talked about playing only conference opponents and Notre Dame being in that mix. So 2020 is up in the air as you and I sit here and, and talk tonight.
0: Well, I think they play. I think they play this year, because I—I mean, look at the Southeast. They're already the SEC is definitely playing. The Pac-12 just agreed to a ten-game schedule. I think they're going to play. We're just not going to get those out-of-conference games. And do we really need to see Alabama meet well, up when on the system?
1: that, they have made their decisions. You're right on conference-only games, but I—I I honestly believe, you know, COVID-19 ain't going away, and. No we've seen it even in the bubble in basketball and we've seen it in some of the, the training in baseball preparing college football. They have bubbles amongst athletes, but when kids come back to school, you know, is that the way it's going to remain? I don't know. I'm not, con- I'm honestly not convinced that we're going to play college football in 2020.
0: Well, the only thing comparable is we are playing baseball, and those are 30-man rosters right now. So that's about True. half. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give that. And, you know, the, Uf- the UFC goes on every week. Um, that's,
1: pay, that's pay sports. That's pro sports.
0: Yeah, you know college's got some big money in it.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, not, and big money to lose. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they need college football. Co- college does uh, need college football. Oh yeah. So um, I hope it's played, but I'm not convinced of it yet.
0: So what, what, so here's a good point. You know who Bill Maher is? Of course. Okay. So he made a good point the other day on Twitter. He's like, so we can, like he was talking about baseball star and he's like, so let me get this straight. We can, we can fly in an aluminum box. Essentially. Sitting next to each other on a three four hour flight, but we can't right. go to a baseball game and sit in the stands and watch. Right, is that is that's that funny. really? It's true. It's, it's funny, but it's true. It's like because I'm, you know, I'm sitting here watching. Like I said, I'm watching all these Giants games playing in Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers are using these, you know, cardboard cutouts of season ticket holders. And that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to tell me that. Uh, By the
1: way, my twin brother Terry was a cardboard cutout at the White Sox games.
0: Really. Yes. <laughs> well, so you bring up Chicago. So um, I don't know if this is going to happen yet or not. So I bought, before all this took place, when, when, when NFL individual tickets went on sale back in May, I bought tickets for my dad and I to go to the Chicago Bears, Tampa Bay Bucks game week five on a Thursday night in Chicago at Soldier Field. Wow. wow. And I went last year for the first time when the Bears, cause if you don't remember, I'm a Bears fan, but I went last year on a Thursday night to Chicago to Soldier Field for the first time when they played the Cowboys. Okay. And, and Mitch Trubisky finally looked like a number two pick and beat the brakes right. off at Dallas, and I loved it because right. I, I hate the Cowboys. You know, I know you're, you know, rest in peace to your son, and he's a Cowboys fan, but that was a great That's night correct. for me. correct, thank you. It was a great night for me, though. Um, I'm sure. So my dad, he's never been. He's a Bears fan as well. I've never been to Chicago. Um, so I got, I got us cool. tickets to go to that, and I'm still waiting to find out if we're going to actually be able to attend. Because some teams have said no fans. Some have said you can have fans a little bit. That's Tom
1: Brady coming to town.
0: I'm loving it. I can't wait. I can't wait. That
1: hurts. That hurts, though. Uh, you know, so how do you, feel, how do, so how
0: you think he's going to do? You think it's going to, Tampa's going to be.
1: Yeah, you, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he can't I, I throw 30
0: it. interceptions like Jameis Winston, right? So we know that. No. That's not going to cool. happen.
1: <laughs> now, forgive me. And it may be the whiskey talking.
0: Let Who's the flow. Tampa
1: Bay Bucks coach? It's, uh, you know, the great, no, he's a great coach. And know, forgive me, audience, as no, a we're sports get talk this. show host, I should be ashamed. Huh?
0: Well, it's Bruce, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. So when I say it's the whiskey talking, I'm serious. So here's the thing. He's going but it, to, but it hurts me to think when athletes leave franchises where they have been yeah. as great as him. You know, when, uh, when O.J. Simpson left Buffalo, when yep. uh, Joe Montana left the 49ers, you know, there have been a number of guys who have left. I'm a Hank Aaron guy. When and Hank Aaron left Braves. the Milwaukee, the Atlanta Braves yeah. to go back to Milwaukee, it, did, it burned me, you know. I, I wish guys could play their entire career. When Bart, uh, Brett Farb. Left the Packers for God's sakes. Yeah, the you Jets know that the
0: Vikings. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> he went yep. to the
1: Jets, I think, first. Jets he? first, the yep, for a year. But uh, you know, I, I'd I'd rather see athletes stay at, at at one place. But it will be interesting to see how Brady performs you know for the Tampa Bay Bucks.
0: I would just love to see that. I just want to be able to go to that game though cuz I've never seen Oh yeah. Tom Brady play in person. You know what I mean like the Bears usually never play the the Patriots and when they do it's You know. I'm a
1: Packer fun. guy by the way.
0: Are you Are you I never knew you were a Packers fan, really? From birth. Now, look. Wow, okay. I never knew that. So what do you think you know, about what do you think about this? Here's the truth.
1: Here's the truth. My best friends will always recognize that I've got 15 favorite teams.
0: okay
1: the Packers the Packers from Bart Starr days okay from Super Bowls one and two have been my favorite team now let's be honest they went into a free fall for many years and so I was also an Oakland fan but I dropped Oakland because I mean you can't go three and 13 and make me a fan forever at some point it's like you know what, or get off the pot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, get back on top, get back to competitive or I'm out of here, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not been an Oakland fan. Well,
0: forever. now it's, a, now it's a Vegas fan. So you can like the Vegas. Raiders.
1: Well, I'm a John Gruden guy. I like John Gruden.
0: Okay. that's But fair. Uh, I,
1: I would like to see them have success. But uh, on the other hand, being a UCF sideline reporter, you know, I've also been a UCF guy. So, where Brandon Marshall was, I was yep. a fan.
0: Chicago yeah, Bear for, for three the- years. Loved him. Hi, huh? I said he was a Bear for three years. I loved him. That's correct.
1: So, you know, that, that has played into my uh, – that hand. But I've never left Green Bay. I've okay. always been a Green Bay guy.
0: You know who I thought would have been better in the NFL, going back to Brandon Marshall, was Mike Walker.
1: Well, Mike Walker got hurt. Mike Walker yeah. was a wide receiver for yep. UCF. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those who don't even know UCF, it's odd but when george o'leary was the head coach at ucf mike walker who would become a receiver and was drafted wasn't at jacksonville
0: jacksonville yes. no. yeah yeah jacksonville jacksonville. for
1: a few years he, and he was always hurt mm-hmm. he, he tore up a knee ligament even at ucf and he he was hurt and then missed a couple years at jacksonville but he and brandon marshall
0: they were unstoppable
1: they were both brandon marshall
0: safety. played safety <laughs>
1: correct <laughs> they were both the, safeties See, yeah we had enough we had enough receivers we <laughs> didn't have any secondary so Larry made
0: brandon marshall a, <laughs> brandon marshall led the team in tackles didn't he correct correct <laughs> so nuts and me. i think well, that's a big boy though he's well. a big boy brandon marshall's a and big interceptions
1: man as well
0: yeah yeah brandon marshall's a big man so i can see it but
1: but yeah. uh but who was the guy you brought up mike walker Yes, Mike Walker. He yeah. in in the NFL, it became Mike Sims Walker.
0: Yes, it did. He, he had he had more talent, and most believe than, than like Brandon Marshall. 40. Yeah. Oh, he was the better receiver by far. Yeah. But, I think uh, he was
1: because of the knee injury.
0: Yeah, Brandon you know, Marshall. The- I remember. Uh, I. I still remember when he was drafted because I remember I wanted the Bears to draft him. I was, the Bears yeah. never have receivers. They finally got Allen Robinson. You know, they finally had right. a decent receiver. They're now, they still don't have a fucking quarterback. But um, I remember when he came out, I was like, the Bears have to draft Brandon Marshall. Like, the second, third round, I was surprised that he slid as far yeah. as he did. Right. But when he, he, he was blessed because he went to Denver. And right. Denver that year also drafted Jay Cutler. So, those two just from the start. Sure were once cutler finally got on the field they were an instant connection and then they kind of rekindled that for a little bit in chicago uh but you know whatever the stuff with jay cutler is you
1: ucf ucf's first bowl game was in hawaii we played the hawaii bowl in 2010 i think it was
0: was this the 49 42 game or something like that yeah Yeah. or against uh, one point they they lost by. they won by nevada missed an extra point right
1: No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. We did.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I remember this game. Yeah.
1: Now, I'm going to – this is really uh, the whiskey talking. (laughs) Who's the longtime kicker of now the Detroit Lions?
0: Mike Nugent. No, 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 Mike Nugent. He was Ohio State. Uh, Oh, I know this. Come on. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's a UCF kicker. I know. I know who he is. I got to look this up. Forgive
1: me, Lord.
0: I know, the who, I know exactly who you're kicker. talking about
1: was the UCF place kicker.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. And he was it? tremendous. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. Cause he, he's kicked forever. He was on the freaking Broncos. Not only, kicked,
1: not only kicked forever, but has those longest 50 plus yard field goals. Was it, forever. was it
0: Matt, Matt something? Matt, Matt Prater. Matt Prater. Uh, there
1: we
0: go. Yeah. Great kicker. Team. Like
1: Matt <laughs> Prater is the UCF kicker. Yep. Okay, we are very. have has put out
0: some players. I want everyone to we, know that.
1: Uh, Asante Samuel, by the way, went to oh, UCF. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Josh Sitton was one of the great uh, lineman. offensive yep. lineman, lineman guards for the Packers. Played for the Packers. The yeah.
0: Then he went to the Bears. Played yeah. for
1: the Bears. Uh, okay. So so Matt Prater is the place kicker for UCF. He is automatic. Yep. UCF is playing in his first bowl game now. I come home to my wife Annie. Christmas means a lot to us, okay? And I said, honey, UCF has been invited to its first bowl game. This is a true story. And she said, really? That's tremendous. What bowl game is it? I said, it's the Aloha Bowl. She goes, Aloha Bowl, is that in Hawaii? I go, yep. She goes, you're going to Hawaii? Now, UCF in 1995, the first year that I was involved with the UCF broadcast as the sideline reporter was 1995. UCF played Hawaii in Hawaii. We went over there on a Wednesday. We had nothing to do until Saturday night. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday, we didn't go home home until Sunday night. The broadcast team, all we did was scour Oahu and play wiffle ball. Ball. We would play nine inning wiffle ball games. <laughs> what the hell? We would find places, we would find places where the ocean is a home run. If you hit the ball into the ocean, it's a home run. If you caught a ball in the ocean, it's an out. So if a guy hit a wiffle ball, home run. But if you dove out into yeah, the ocean, yeah, you dive out there. You may it,
0: you can get dirty. I got it. He's
1: out. It was unbelievable. So we play Hawaii 95. We go back in 2010 with our first bowl game. But I come home and I tell my wife, Annie, we have our first bowl game. Where is it? Hawaii. She goes, do I get to go? I go, no, honey, you don't.
0: (laughs) No, honey, you don't. (laughs) She goes,
1: when is it? And I said the following words, Christmas Eve. Mm. Her next three words are, you're not going. (laughs) Annie, I'm the sideline
0: reporter. I have to go. It's
1: my next three words are. It's my job. (laughs) It's my job.
0: Yes, I am. Another three words. He
1: said, "You're not going." I said, "Yes, I am. It's my job."
0: That's so So good. So I
1: got to go, obviously. So we go over it. We play a wild, wild game against Nevada, up and down the field random Marshall go look at his stats they're incredible it's like was 10 this, catches 240 two touchdowns was, we get to overtime was Kaepernick they the quarterback
0: first. who was Kaepernick the quarterback
1: no. Colin Kaepernick no no okay. I forget who the quarterback was it wasn't look, Kaepernick
0: yeah I gotta look that up but keep going
1: so they score first in overtime we score in overtime now all we need is the extra point to go to a second overtime yep and Matt Prater wide writes it. I'm standing as the sideline reporter underneath the goalposts. 90 minutes later, we are on a plane going home. <laughs> 40- it's like, holy God. 2005 you gotta be
0: kidding me. 2005. You are
1: good from 50 yards. You could make everything inside 50 yards, and you just shanked an extra point.
0: And we're going all 49, 48. Unbelievable. Damn. Yeah. two thousand five, so Aloha bowl. <laughs> yes. Kevin Smith was well, there. That's right. 2005. Oh my God, he
1: had a wild game. Yes. What year was that? 2005. What? Was it? I thought it was 2010, but I was, hey, you know,
0: you, you, you've been retired a while. It's all right. Rudy. Yeah, true.
1: <laughs> but I was there yeah, and I was were. under the goalpost. I was under the goalpost when that happened. Our yeah. first game in 2014, UCF's first game of 2014. We have played in the 2013 Fiesta Bowl on January 1st, 2014. Okay? So, we have won. We have beaten Baylor. We were this huge underdog. We don't belong. They will roll us out of the Fiesta Bowl, and we ass kicked them. Okay? And Blake Bortles was the MVP. (laughs) It was tremendous. tremendous. We really did. It's like, take that, bitch. (laughs) So... (laughs) So now, the first game of 2014, we are invited to play in Ireland.
0: Yeah, I remember this.
1: It's Coach O'Brien from Penn State and Coach O'Leary from UCF, except Coach O'Brien has taken the head job of the Houston Texans. For those who have noticed periodically during this broadcast, I I am wearing – I am wearing I a Houston that. Texans shirt, jersey. Not jersey, but polo. How did I come in contact with that? Okay. Uh, now I'm going to forget his name. Pat O'Hara. Pat yeah. O'Hara was, was a one-time quarterback of USC. Yep. Pat O'Hara then got into the Arena League. And he was he a head coach and general manager of the Orlando franchise in the arena league and then i think that disbanded or something went crazy went sideways
0: every, every, there's pat like four O'Hara, teams left yeah
1: pat o'hara became this the color analyst for ucf and he was the color analyst for ucf for a couple years and pat and i we roomed together on the road i love the guy he's a great guy so he became the quarterback coach of the houston texans George Godsey was a one-time uh, quarterback coach, I think, for UCF. And then Godsey got a job in the NFL and became an assistant coach, whatever his role was, I don't remember. Might have been quarterback coach or offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. And he and Pat O'Hara became friends. And then he hired; they hired O'Hara to come to the Houston Texans as a quarterback coach. And when Pat O'Hara was the quarterback coach, of the houston texans we obviously had a different color analyst at ucf but we played houston houston was in conference not conference usa but the american athletic conference yep. we went to houston and on friday night before the game we had a dinner with pat o'hara and he gave everybody one of these
0: that's legit a polo Look at that. from yeah. the houston
1: texans now pat o'hara is the quarterback coach of the tennessee Titans. Where Ryan Tannehill is there.
0: Yeah. And has
1: resurrected his career.
0: Houston has the quarterback that I wanted my Bears to draft. Who's that? Deshaun Watson. Really? Instead, instead they moved up and drafted. Look, I love Mitch Trubisky. I believe in the kid, but I was just, I remember on draft night, I was like, are you, we moved up one spot to do that? That's what we did? Right. All right. But before I, I could go on a rant on that, but I wanted to get your take on this because this was like, we talked about that, that Aloha Bowl. Uh, Kevin Smith, remember him, the running back for UCF? That game? Duh, what do you mean? 200 and some yards, three touchdowns that game? Now, nah, here, yeah. look, this was the year for Conference USA running backs, right? Yeah. Because not yes. one, not two, three guys went over 2,000 yards. D'Angelo Williams. Is that, is that amazing? Yes. D'Angelo Williams, Matt Forte, who the Bears drafted, and I won at Kevin Smith, right. but I think it worked out for the Bears. They, Matt Forte right. had the better pro career. And then Kevin Smith. All three of these guys went over 2,000 yards that season.
1: When and I remember season-
0: calling. I called your show during this, yeah. and I said, it was me talking about how I, I didn't think D'Angelo Williams was that good. And you were like, are you high? And you hung up on me. I remember that.
1: What was interesting about D'Angelo Williams, <laughs> yeah. uh, Memphis? He played. For he was Memphis. the
0: first round pick. Forte went second round. Kevin Smith went third round. In that the NFL first draft. play,
1: the first play of the season for UCF that year, the first play, we had a road game at North Carolina State. They kicked the ball out of the end zone. We handed the ball off to Kevin Smith, and untouched, eighty yards later, it's seven nothing Knights, and we held on to win that game. And so, but he went 80 yards untouched with the first play of the season. Every night, not every night, from midpoint of the season to the rest of the year. When you fly with a college football team, and our broadcast team did, we flew with UCF's football team. We would walk out on the tarmac. You don't go through the airport. Uh, We would walk out on the tarmac, walk up the plane steps, and get on the plane. Kevin Smith would turn around to me. And ask me how the other two guys did. <laughs> he would ask me how did seriously how how did the other guys? Well, do? then the other guy remember
0: the other one in that conference, Chris Johnson. Same thing. Four Chris of, Johnson
1: was from Orlando.
0: Exactly, four guys that year in that Chicago conference. High school were just, football
1: in Orlando. Yeah, I think Chris Johnson's in prison now. If I remember, I, right.
0: I believe he is. Yes, unfortunately yeah. for Chris. Sorry, whatever, this, but whatever. But
1: but uh, we played. Chris Johnson was a great college football player at East Carolina yep. and we played East Carolina that year yep. and Georgia O'Leary yep. was, was the head coach and uh, we made the mistake, we were ass kicking down too, and we made the mistake of kicking off the second half to Chris Johnson and he went 95 yards and we turned the ball over five consecutive possessions <laughs> in the second half. <laughs> And they turned a huge deficit into roll us. They rolled us in the second half. And I asked O'Leary in the postgame, "Number five pretty good." That's Chris Johnson.
0: <laughs> number five's pretty good.
1: He <laughs> said, "Why are you bringing him up? <laughs> why are you bringing him up? Why am know. I bringing him up? All the best he did player was on got the field, the baby. Eye. Yeah, huh?
0: You're the best player on the field that day. That's probably why, Coach.
1: No kidding. How did you miss on him, O'Leary? Yeah." You know what,
0: look, so, I mean, you, you say all that and you've seen all this, which is even better, but, and I don't, I don't, I don't really care, but if if anyone out there on ESPN who makes 30 for 30 films is listening, I would love to see a 30 for 30 on those four guys from conference USA, because those four running backs, D'Angelo Williams, Matt Forte, Kevin Smith, Chris Johnson, I believe, and I may be wrong, but I do believe all four of them went for 2000 yards.
1: I, and I they all were there at the same
0: it. time. Like, this wasn't like, oh, one guy was there and then the other. Like, this all happened in the same conference.
1: D'Angelo Williams from Memphis in the UCF game against Memphis that year was in Orlando.
0: Now, as
1: the sideline reporter, I have the best seat in the house and I never sit down. <laughs> so I travel with the football. Yeah. But D'Angelo Williams made a play late in the first half and UCF. UCF in the years with UCF and Memphis in Conference USA, UCF went 8-0 and against Memphis. UCF went 8-0 and against Marshall. They were tremendous games. Many yeah. were very close, Byron but UCF Leftwich. won every game.
0: Yeah, Byron so Leftwich.
1: Memphis, uh, D'Angelo Williams, it was a hot, humid night in Orlando. And he took a handoff, and he, roll, he ran left, and that shut down. So he reversed track. And now goes the other way, comes all the way back across the field, goes 80 yards for a touchdown with a minute to go in the first half, and he's not seen the rest of the night. They said for most of the rest of the night he's got an IV stuck in his arm, and he, he is dehydrated. I believe he it. never came back to the field. And as I've said two or three times tonight, we ass kicked them. <laughs>
0: That's, but that's what, I mean, like, stuff like that, I think if it happened today, we'd get way more attention. This was, you know,
1: the mid-2000s, right? So, Eric, let me tell you something, though. When you travel with a college football team, we travel on Friday for the game Mm -hmm. on Saturday. There is no more joy on the planet than winning a road game. When you win a road game, and you have spent a weekend at somebody else's house, and you go into that locker room like I had access, and there is incredible joy. And then you take all of that energy, all of that energy, and you put it on a plane, and you shut it up, and then you fly a couple thousand miles. There is incredible joy (laughs) confined in that Airbus. Some of the greatest memories in my life, away from my wife, are with 18, 19, and 20-year-old guys. Mm-hmm. Who, If you don't mind, Not this is all. so funny. This is so funny. We were playing in that 2013 year. If you go back and ever watch, look at the 2013 UCF football season, we end up the year upsetting Baylor mm-hmm. in the Fiesta Bowl. We lost one game. We lost to Steve Spurrier's South Carolina Gamecocks.
0: Yeah, I remember. They I had watched a running that in Afghanistan game. as well. That was a touch, one touchdown, wasn't it? Or not even a
1: goal. We We should have had 30 points in the first half. Yep. We, we left points on the field in the first I remember half. remember that game. And then there's a running back. I think his last name was Davis. And he's had some good games in the NFL. If I remember right, his last name is Davis. He was the difference maker in the second half, and they rallied and beat us. We knocked their quarterback out in the first half. We had those guys beat. If we'd have put the points on the board we should have in the first half, we'd ended up that year unbeaten. But we end up, end up the year beating Baylor in the bowl game out in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and there, like I said, there is no more joy than, than winning road games.
0: Mike and Davis. you talk
1: about a party that night. And in, in winning road games on, in, in especially bowl games like that. My mind was wandered. i have forgotten exactly how I was going to end this little phrase.
0: <laughs> it doesn't that's matter. That's way. how whiskey rolls. It takes you wherever it has to take you. But you're talking about how some of the best games you were a part of were with, you know, 19 20 21 year old men coming back from those oh i know what i was gonna
1: say yeah i was gonna say and my apologies for uh, losing it there that's my
0: (laughs) i do it all the time okay
1: so (laughs) i'm serious we end up winning that year's uh fiesta bowl and i finished finished sixth in the country we could have finished that year in the conference under 500 we were the cardiac Mm -hmm. knights the 2013 season yep there were six games that year we should have lost we should have lost six games we're playing in memphis we need a fourth and 12 conversion or they will take a knee and it was uh uh blake bortles what was the kid's name his dad played in the nfl as well
0: McCaffrey. wait no
1: he's a whiteout. we need a fourth and 12 conversion He's now convert. He's now come back. Oh, into you, you're talking
0: about uh, Parlemy, Pritchard, Parlemy. Pritchard. No, <laughs> Perryman. Perry, Perryman. Perryman. Yeah, Perryman.
1: God forgive me.
0: God, I wish okay. that God, I you hate see it. a
1: band. Forgive me,
0: Bernard I Perryman. Forgot. Bernard we Perryman. Shot
1: Perryman's name.
0: Yep. Bernard we need Perryman.
1: a fourth and twelve. If we don't convert a fourth and twelve, they take a knee. We convert it. We end up getting I down the this. field and we're down around the goal line, and a kid named uh, Johnson, if I remember right, the running back, He is his real nickname is Fumbles. He fumbles everything. We fumble the ball at the friggin' goal line into the end zone, but the tight end or the offensive lineman recovers it for a touchdown. That's the game-tying touchdown. There's about a minute to go in the game. Who's the quarterback guy from Memphis that got hurt so bad? He's still in the NFL,
0: Braxton. No, the guy that was the first round. Pick. He played at Minnesota. He
1: got hurt so bad, so he's the quarterback of uh, Memphis. Okay, he's now back in the NFL and he's uh, d- d- doing great. So Paxton, uh, Paxton feel-
0: Lynch, huh? Paxton Lynch? No, 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 no,
1: no, no. no. He's oh, this later. Was later for
0: him. Yeah, I don't yes. know them.
1: Black quarterback who tore up his knee for the Vikings.
0: Oh, Tavares and, okay. Jackson. Tavares no, Jackson. No,
1: no, no, no. Not even no. him? Damn. No. So here, here's <laughs> the story, though. UCF has converted the fourth and 12. We fumbled the ball in the end zone, converted by scoring, by uh, lineman covering it, Chris Martin.
0: Mm-hmm. So we
1: tied the game. We now got to kick off to Memphis. We kicked the ball off to Memphis. You know, I, I'm thinking of another quarterback. The quarterback that I'm thinking of actually played for Louisville. My bad. Oh, so we kick the ball up to Memphis. We tackle the, receive, the the guy who's running the kickback. He, the ball squirts out of his arms. A defensive back covers it and walks in for a touchdown. We've scored two touchdowns in nine seconds, and we win that game in Memphis. We we actually intercept the pass in the end zone. Who's the guy that played at uh, Louisville?
0: The quarterback.
1: That game. That game, we, we should lose that game by four touchdowns, and we rally and win that game, and they have a Hail Mary on the final play of the game. He's Dude, a black quarterback, played for the Vikings. The he only since left
0: no, the only, – No, the only one I even remember is Lamar Jackson. That's the only one I remember.
1: Yeah, Lamar Jackson played at Louisville, but prior to him
0: – Okay, well, we can find – I, I can effort this as you continue to bless us with story time.
1: I'm just saying – we we had a game in uh, we had a game in Philadelphia against Temple. I remember we that. We are dead in the water. Yeah. We are dead in the water that year in 2013 against Temple. Was it Jawan Pass? No. No. He's a real he's an NFL quarterback. Oh, today. No.
0: I don't know, Jerry. I
1: liked <laughs> Google <laughs> former Louisville quarterbacks or former Viking quarterbacks. <laughs> he, he's here? a guy who during a spring prior to even preseason, tore up his knee so bad that he had to miss multiple seasons in the NFL within the last five, 10 years. Because I'm talking about the 2013 season at Louisville.
0: Anyway, UCF Teddy, is Teddy dead Teddy Bridgewater in the water. did that, but that Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Did, there that's we go, the Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. About. Okay, that's That's the what guy. I'm
1: talking about.
0: Gotcha. Now Bridgewater was
1: a quarterback at, at, um, uh, at Louisville. Yeah. UCF is dead in the water at Temple. In Philadelphia, at where the Eagles play. Yep. Uh, Lincoln Field. We need a, uh, a miracle to get to overtime. And, and break, Blake Bortles rolls out. He's about to be crushed by three linemen. And as he's off balance, heaves the ball to the 30 yards to the end zone. And uh, it's caught by a receiver whose name escapes me. He will win an ESPY for that play.
0: I know what you're talking it about. He will
1: win an SB for that catch. I
0: we know exactly what you're talking about because my friend, my friend dated this guy.
1: We kick off to Temple. We get the ball back. We're going to take a knee to go to overtime. But O'Leary says, J.J. Ah, Wharton.
0: J.J. Wharton. J.J.
1: <laughs> Wharton. O'Leary says, fuck that. We're not going to take a knee. We're going to throw the ball 60 yards. So Blake Bortles rolls out with about nine seconds to go in the game instead of taking a knee and he throws the ball as far as he can. And it's caught in stride and we go down and we clock the ball at about the three yard line. Here's a game we should lose. (laughs) We should lose this game and go home embarrassed. We have scored a touchdown on a Blake Bortles play that will win an ESPY in the, in the spring. And then we clock the ball after O'Leary says, Fuck that. We ain't taking a knee. (laughs) He throws a 60-yard pass, and one of our White House catches it in stride. We clock the ball with three seconds to go. We kick the field goal. We walk off, and we are going home. We are going home. ESPN is showing the highlights of our game. We are in the airplane watching the highlights. We have a road win, so there is this incredible aura in this plane. Every person, including me, is acting like a child. (laughs) It's the same hour. They are showing our highlights the same hour that Auburn has a play that becomes the play of the year. J.J. Wharton has the play of the year for an hour. (laughs) Until Auburn has a play where two Georgia defenders bat the ball in the air and the Auburn player catches it in stride and walks in for a game-winning touchdown. We win an ESPY on our play, instead of it being the play of the year, an hour after our play of the year, Auburn has a play of the year.
0: Do you remember that? I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we are
1: celebrating what we believe will be the greatest play of the year. And then in the plane on the way home, we watched the play of the year. Pretty incredible.
0: I w- so here's a good story. So uh, I was in Afghanistan during that season and when that was happening. And I was very – just so I was, uh, I was a part of a, a two-star command at the time, so a two-star level general command. And we had to sit in weekly briefings for the, the IJC commander, which at the time was uh, Lieutenant General Milley, who is now the Joint Chief of Staff General Milley in this current administration. Very so cool. Yeah, great guy. Um, But I still remember this story. So we are in our talk, right? The big tactical operations cell, whatever, command center, whatever. Monitors everywhere. We're watching literally everything that goes on in the country of Afghanistan. Um, And then we would would do a VTC, a, a virtual teleconference into General Milley's, you know, his meeting from across the street at the, uh, the embassy in uh, Kabul where he was at to do his briefing. And I remember this briefing that was going on. It was uh, the year Florida State won the national championship, right? So we're doing this briefing and we have – James Winston. In, yeah, in the, in the far left corner. Uh, you got to remember, so I was a reserve member from a unit in Orlando that went there. So most of the guys in this unit in this conference are from Florida. So a lot of okay. them are Florida State fans, right? Sure. Uh, so we got our briefing, you know, Jenner Milley's talking and, uh, one of the guys that just did their, the, the briefing for their section and up in the far left corner is the, the Florida state national championship game. And they had just scored and he forgot. By the way,
1: I am that night. I am in new Orleans. We are not at the Superdome. That's against Virginia tech.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: were there all week broadcasting live, but we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough, uh, we weren't ticketed for the game. So we had to watch it from outside the stadium. <laughs> okay. Go ahead.
0: And so he, he gives his section brief or whatever, and he forgets to turn off his microphone as Florida state scores, like the go ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter and everyone in the, in this room. So there's probably about 80 or 85 of us in this room. You know, most of them are Florida state fans. So about half the room is just going nuts. And so there's general Milley there as three star, his deputy commander is this two star from France. And uh, he's, they're all listening to this brief going on. And they hear in the background of all these dudes just going nuts because someone left their microphone on. And General Milley is talking. And he, w- without missing a beat, he just looks up and he's like, I guess Florida State just scored. And then he just keeps going. Like, you know, you were expecting this guy, like the three-star commander of fucking Afghanistan at the moment. And he's just like, could have been an opportunity for him to be like like, hey, you know, to be a dick and just, you know, blast someone. But right. he, he got it, and that's, that's what I've cool. always loved about Yeah, he's just – you know, he, he's, a, he's a get it guy. He's, he's from New England. He was always, That was Virginia Tech, right, that they beat? Uh, was it them or Clemson? Wasn't Clemson – Florida State National. Let's get this. Because
1: uh, I'm trying to think back to that time as well. It couldn't have been Clemson. Oh, it was Auburn. I don't think be- it, was huh? it was Auburn. It was Auburn. What was that? Hold on.
0: Auburn. Yeah, Auburn. Really? Yeah, Florida State really? won thirty-four, thirty-one. It was against Auburn. My bad. Yeah, but no, that was like, and this is what kind of like there. were was many moments throughout that deployment because, like I said, I was I was in these briefings went on twice a week, so I got to you know, I got to meet him, but I got to obviously interact and deal with General Milley for a, a lot of times throughout that deployment. Um, but no, I always remember because he was like, uh, he went to. He went to some school in the Northeast. He always had his Boston Red Sox hat on. Yeah, he was, he's, he's a Eric, big, big sports fan. Let me, so
1: let me, let me ask you yeah. a, a question. You're stationed over in Iraq. And this is after a point where the United States of America was brought into a war because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. What, what is that like in a young man's mind? What is that like in a, I don't even know uh, uh, what a company is. What, what is that like when you're in a foreign land and you have an enemy? I don't know that world.
0: Well, so if, if we talk about Iraq, uh, this was 2003. I remember getting, uh, we, we were in Kuwait and uh, we, we, we were spending more time than I thought we should. To the point where we thought we were going to get sent back to the States. We didn't think we were going to go forward and kind of join the main element. Um, When when was the
1: first, when was the first war in because of the uh, Saddam Hussein in Kuwait?
0: Well, that was 91. That was Gulf War. Okay. First one. And then we went in to do operation Iraqi freedom. The first version, March 19th of 2003. Okay. So I remember um, we were in Kuwait, uh, we we're sitting there, we were doing our acclimation, getting used to the climate, the weather, the time, all that stuff before it was time for us to move forward. And then I remember finally, Captain King, he was my commander at the time. And he finally brought us all together and let us know we were going to go forward. And so I always tell this funny story before we get into the serious stuff that you said is, uh, Hey, you guys got, you're going to get a chance to make your one phone call home. We got satellite phones for everybody to use. And I was like, Oh, sweet. So I, I remember calling my parents and I, and I called my dad and I, I had a ferret at the time. I have a ferret. Now with my daughter, and I told this story last night how she was smuggled into the 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 state illegally. But anyway, at the time, I remember calling my dad and you know talked to him, and then I was like, "Hey, so, you know, how's Pookie? Pookie was my ferret's name. I'm like, Hey, how's Pook doing? He's like, Oh, the ferret. I'm like, Yeah. He's like, Oh, your ferret died. My God. (laughs) So I always tell this, and I always remind my dad. I'm like, Dad, not good. I was calling you to tell you that I'm literally going into we're crossing the berm we're going into the fucking Iraq war you didn't have to tell me that my ferret actually you could have told me later you could have just been like oh yeah the ferret's fine it's not like I'm gonna ask you to put the ferret on the phone like you so I could talk to her. right you know like yeah so I still to this day like it just cracks me up because my dad's like oh yeah your ferret's dead like what the fuck
1: so when let me me ask though when you when you when you're gonna go from Kuwait into Iraq Mm -hmm. how real is that
0: I was scared out of my mind like I was, I was 22 years old. So, you know, when you're 22 years old, um, how many
1: guys are you with?
0: Uh, we had about, so our company was going forward with two others. So there was about a little more than 200 of us catching up to the main element. What, what are you traveling in? I was in a two seater Humvee and it was me and my first sergeant. And uh, my first sergeant had a medical condition that would not have, uh, he, he shouldn't have been there. Let's put it that way. Cause he had Parkinson's early stage of Parkinson's. So I remember I was driving, and uh, he was sitting there in, in the TC, as the TC is—you know—it's a term for tank commander. But essentially, he was in the passenger seat, and I remember him falling asleep with his nine-millimeter pistol on his lap. And he's got early-stage Parkinson's, so it's like how many? How many vehicles? How many
1: vehicles are there?
0: Uh, we probably had a little more than fifty in that one. How many? A little more than fifty.
1: How. What what do you know going that in that direction? What do you know? What are the what are the what are the? Uh...
0: I I hate to I hate to I hate to say it, but uh, we didn't know much. It was it was we our 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 point at that our, our mission at that point was to catch up to the main element, which was probably not going to happen until we got into Baghdad. But we were to expect minor. How many miles?
1: How many miles is Baghdad from the Kuwaiti border?
0: Uh, a little more than three hundred. But it took us about a little more than I want to say it took about nine and a half, ten hours.
1: Are there combat issues between?
0: Well, that's what we so we were we were we were briefed to expect minor. Uh resistance if that's the word okay. for it you know we, we okay. weren't we weren't expecting much because the main element had pushed forward and you know that was the invasion force of the third infantry division and the first marines coming from the other side so we were expecting a lot of leftovers if that makes sense people who kind of yeah. hit out and didn't engage the main element and just kind of Snipers. The, stragglers, the stragglers essentially uh yeah. fortunately uh not a lot in terms of conflict happened all of our and all of my personal combat experience took place long after the the fall of the Saddam era. It all took place during the insurgency when that picked up, which ties back into Paul Bremer and the stuff I mentioned earlier, like in in his failings as a civilian uh, in charge. Uh, So, but the actual, the, the invasion thing that I went through wasn't that bad. It was everything that came afterwards once the insurgency started. So yeah, 22 years old, I was scared out of my mind. Like everybody that I was with, fortunately, like I was more scared being in my vehicle just because of the man that was with me because I was expecting him to shoot me by sure. accident. Right. <laughs> he, you know, Gracious. he had Parkinson's and he, he couldn't stay awake. And we left late at night to travel, obviously at night under the cover of darkness. So, you know, do not bring attention to us. Um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of moments and a lot of scary situations individually that I always kind of found myself in, but <laughs> uh the actual drive into Iraq and to getting into Baghdad wasn't that bad for me. It was worse. Were though.
1: there, were, were you well received as an American soldier? Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, we were adored. They loved us. Um, I remember one of the, I remember, I remember this very vividly. Uh, one of the first times we got to go out into the, to the, the city and to the markets in, in Baghdad, it was probably a week after Saddam was technically and officially removed from power and literally overnight you had downtown Baghdad was prohibited from any type of internet service, you know, no satellite TV, none of this stuff. And then like literally it seemed like overnight, this stuff popped up. You're in a market where people. Isn't it it true?
1: Isn't it true that Saddam Hussein's uh, leadership of the party was the minority party within
0: Iraq? Uh, No. No, he was a he was a Sunni. So Sunnis were the, 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 the main party. They were. Yeah. The Shiites so, were the minority. The Shiites though, there were portions. The Shiites were the uh, majority. Iraq. so the Shiites were the minority in Iraq, but they're the majority in Iran, which is why Iran. they had their main okay. eight year war in the eighties. Uh, yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: But there were areas there were areas within Iraq that were where the who was the what was saddam's party
0: he was the sunnis and then uh, okay so the minor parties there, the shiites, were there areas in the, the north you had the kurds
1: yes of course but were there areas in the south where shiites were the majority uh,
0: i mean it's hard to say that they ever were really the majority okay you know that the, the sunnis controlled that country and saddam yeah. was okay obviously the, the top of the top um were, was there a potential for them to be in, in charge somewhere locally? Probably. Iraq's a pretty yeah. large country, but right. uh, they were never a, a threat to the Sunnis as long as Saddam was in power. It was never going to... But still, you, you remember, were received... Saddam, was, Saddam, Saddam held on to power through, through power. He was, yeah. a very, he was not afraid to use power, and uh, he was very successful at keeping his power For all, I mean, if for whatever we want to look back on Saddam, like he 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 rose to power. Through violence, and he kept his power through violence. Yeah, it was right. very strong. Reason. But yet,
1: you were well received as an American soldier. Oh yeah, the
0: the 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 local population loved us initially when we were there. So you got to remember, and this is what I talk about with Paul Bremer, the guy that was put in charge to run the civilian program and the reconstruction efforts. Is the biggest thing that'll always, and I to this day, I, and I will, and I've had it confirmed from other people way higher than me and way smarter than me. Like the biggest flaw this man did was he disbanded the Iraqi army. So he basically put about 400,000 Iraqi soldiers on unemployment, right? With okay. no way of money ever coming in. And then not only did he disband them, but he told them they were, no, they were not allowed to be part of the future government or the military going forward. And so what I like to like, imagine if a country was, was able to come to the United States, take over here they disband the United States Army, and they say we can't have any role in the future of this country. What do you think's going to yeah. happen? What do you think's right. going to happen? And yeah. that's exactly what took place, in, and that's kind of, if you follow the timeline, it wasn't shortly thereafter because I was on leave in Orlando, and I remember being in the Orlando airport on November 3rd, going back to Iraq, and my friend, uh, she was shot down in a Chinook helicopter going home on leave, and I remember finding out about that on the uh, in the airport in Orlando on TV. And I was just like, well, how the fuck did that happen? And shortly thereafter, was kind of the birth of the insurgency. But all that insurgency was Al Qaeda in Iraq, found a power vacuum. They came in, they, you know, they, they employed for a lack of a better word, all these out of work, former Iraqi soldiers, for the most part, put them to work going against us. And that's kind of where the insurgency came about.
1: What are you doing today?
0: I am in recruiting. I am a station commander here in the area for an army recruiting installation. So that's what I do at the moment. Uh, so unfortunately, my, my, my combat days are behind me. I will not be going anywhere anytime soon, as much as I'd love to. Uh, I am a stateside well, member. Of the- elaborate on as much as I would want to. Yeah, no, what, what, what's up? No,
1: you you say as much as I would love to.
0: Uh, it, you, you in love my to. Ro- in my current role and my current MOS, my job, I am. Yeah, we don't deploy. My job is no, but
1: I'm saying you you you. I know because I followed you yeah. as a Facebook guy. I know how uh, you know important health is to you, and I yeah. think not only health, but I think what you believe about country. I mean you you're the type of guy that Americans look up to because you would be willing to give your life for your country in service. And you believe, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you believe in America so strongly that that you see the need for Americans and you'd be one of them Willing to stop whatever you're doing to keep it where it is, whether you had to travel to do it.
0: Absolutely. Um, I have for probably in the face of misunderstanding from a lot of my family and some friends, uh, I have willfully gone back when I didn't need to yeah uh, specifically in two thousand and fifteen um, but it, it it's hard to put into words, and I think the only people that would really understand it is uh I kind of equate the military to a sports environment. You talked earlier in the sure. show about how our combat for you guys in the u c f football team is football, and the only thing I can ever equate sports my my especially you know a locker room like when I was in college, like I think a lot of guys realize they'll never replace that. And the only thing that comes close, and it probably exceeds it, the only thing that comes close to the army or the military as a whole is probably sports. Sure. And that that locker room environment. But to this day, like I don't, I'll be honest, I don't like what I do currently in the army, but I love the dudes that I'm with. I just do, and and that's that's fine because you know what? I honestly, I go to work every day loving it because of the guys I'm going to go see and we're just going to sit there and we're going to talk shit and clown on each other throughout the day. We're going to get our job done, but we're going to have fun doing it. And I don't think that exists outside of the military currently. Maybe sports is the only thing, but most people yeah. don't get an opportunity to do that past high school. And I can't equate that to anything because if you didn't get to play college sports or you're not fortunate enough to play pro sports, it's never really equivalent to what I would experience in my adult life. Cause you know, going up, as a kid in sports, most, most kids' sports career ends in high school. That's not a job. That's not like something you could equate to. Um, so when it comes to deployments or when it comes to anything like this, unfortunately, Jerry, man, I've been in the Army 18 years and I joined for a very specific reason. It was after 9-11 and we are still in, we're still in Afghanistan. And I am the most adamant pro bring our fucking troops home guy at this point because I just, sure. you know, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate the military and because no. my position's still in it, but you know what? We could have fought World War II damn near five times at this point. Yeah. And to right. me, that's a, to me, you know what? And I get passionate about it, so I'm not going to hold my tongue, but that to me is a fucking problem. Yeah, really is because I should no, be hear recruiting – and here's my issue is I'm literally recruiting the individuals for the Army today who were born after 9-11. They have no it's idea amazing. what – they don't know what my – when I go to a school or if I talk to a group and I tell them my Army story and why I joined, they don't have any concept of
1: 9-11. Yeah, right. They didn't live it that's incredible
0: and and but, we're asking but I, young men and women to sign up today yeah, to still right. potentially go and do that and to me it's it's a
1: it's a crazed world it's uh, it's mind-boggling when if you were to you know when you when, when I look online at weather you're able to broaden the the forecast for a particular area or you're able to change where you're at right. i can't comprehend I can't comprehend the issues within our world that were we, and, and, you know, with respect, it's the United States of America. We are the policemen of the world of too many hotspots in the world that we, that we don't need to be and shouldn't have to be. Uh, and that's been a part of our history. And, but you know, you pissed on the wrong shoes when you came over here on nine 11 Because we're not. So, we're so not let not me ask you that.
0: that. So I, I love to get people's perspective on nine eleven, and I usually do it with people who are either, you know, they were in the military at the time or in some service to the country at the time. But uh, I think it's important because people need to rem- remember this and know what others went through and how they experienced it. I've told my version of it. I, that's why I joined. Yeah. But. What where and what were you doing on 9-11 when that happened?
1: I was at a doctor's appointment on 9-11. And I was just coming. It was the first appointment because I had to get to work. So it's like I always had like 745 doctor appointments, right? (laughs) So I'm in the doctor's office and I literally am walking from the doctor's office to the area where all the other patients to be were sitting, and we looked up at the TV inside the doctor's waiting area and watched a plane hit uh, the second plane hit, watched the second plane hit the the tower. And at that point it was, what in the hell is going on today? And on my way home, did I learn about the plane that hit, um, what's the, uh, good God, like I said, it's the whiskey talking the third plane that hit, uh, the Pentagon, the third plane that hit the Pentagon. Now, you know, something crazy is going on in the world. Uh, and a lot of tears, man. I didn't know New York city. I'd never been to New York. I I was in in New York city one time prior to that. But, uh, you know, it, it was life altering it's been it's a change ever since uh i believe in america i believe that america is good i believe that we are the positive of the world i truly believe that I, are there bad people yeah of course are there that's, that's uh, human power nature. you know are there power hungry people yes no question but I th- I still think I'm so proud and so fortunate to be an American. Uh, we I was I went to the radio station that day and we huddled uh, and we just watched the TV. You know, we immediately all of the radio stations became one, and that was the news station. So every music station became tied in to the to the news station. Whatever the news is, what's going on in the world in America today. Has has trumped everything.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And when the towers collapsed, we cried uh, incredible tears, and everybody went home. You are to go home and be with your loved ones. You know, I went home to be with my wife because we didn't know what the world was about that day. But it was the, there are a few my dad's death, uh, my son's death, my mom's death. And 9-11 are about the four saddest days in my life. And so, it is equal with those.
0: And, and, and so this, this kind of leads me into my next question, because, man, we're coming up on, it's going to be 19 years in, in, in September that that happened. And you obviously have lived uh, a much fuller life than I have at this point. So I'm just curious with what you see going on in the current climate of the country have you seen anything that you could remotely say is similar to this in your life or is, is is it is it a product of social media and cable news amplification or do you are you generally seeing stuff in the country right now that you've never experienced before yeah
1: i am it's upside down it's crazed um you know i i i know i've had contact i with law enforcement some of my better friends in my 20 years in 25 years in Orlando were law enforcement. I, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a guy who watched cops on TV. I'm a guy who watched, what was the three hour show that A&E did? Live, oh, PD. Uh, yeah,
0: live uh, PD. First 48 or something like that. No live PD. Oh, live PD. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm a, i am I was a big fan because I believe that people in this country, way too many people in this country, don't respect authority. I, I'm, I'm a guy who followed rules. If you don't like the rules, change the rules. Otherwise, follow the rules. I don't think there's anything wrong with having rules. Uh, and I think that's led to part of our problem. You know, he, here's, here's an issue. Here's the most interesting issue. How many nights have you watched the 11 o'clock news and watched the lead story be a young black american who has for the ninth time been arrested on a felony and you know what that does that reinforces to me that black young black youth are troubled you constantly reinforce it's like it's like the video when you see george floyd murdered mm-hmm. When you see that over and over and over again, it's reinforced. When I see the 11 o'clock news with the lead of a young black male being arrested and then being told it's his 10th arrest in the last five years, it's reinforcing that young black men are problems. And I think that that's been ongoing in America. And that I think, as I think it was Mark Cuban who once said, If I'm on a side of the street where I come into contact, as I walk down the street, there are five black young men. I cross the street and then I'm walking down the street and I see five bald tattooed white guys. I cross the street again. You know what I'm saying? Because it's reinforcing what we know to be problematic. So, media has been a negative instigator of a lot of this yep. because they showcase and reinforce some of the negatives in our society. Well, that's all I think do. they're I think they're guilty of some of that.
0: All of it. You don't know and it and especially today, M-M, right? You don't know it to, you don't see it. And that's why I today
1: say- the politics uh, the media has had way too much influence uh, pushing people one way or another based on their influence
0: well yeah and, and that's why i said earlier on in our discussion is that i think the media had, they do nothing but reinforce whatever people are going to that specific network to look for correct they're there to, they're there to affirm they're not there to inform correct. You know, you're not getting anything other than entertainment from these outlets
1: and the, the, it's my opinion that the 2020 election won't change anything.
0: Well, so there's, let me ask you, so how do you feel this goes?
1: Well, in 2016, in 2016, my wife went to bed and there was no way that Hillary Clinton was not going to be elected president. Oh, you all should be out polls, here. I,
0: that was my first two weeks in California. I loved it. I was in a casino watching that shit, well, watching it burn all, around all, me, Jerry. All the It was polls. hilarious. You see,
1: you're, you're in the West Coast. <laughs> On the East Coast, it's like midnight. You went to bed thinking, well, there's, you know, Hillary Clinton is going to be elected president. Yeah. But I woke my wife up, I think, at six in the morning and said, Donald Trump's when president.
0: was named, right? Correct. Yeah.
1: So- So the polls, obviously, if you follow the political polls, uh, Donald Trump is going to be swamped. He's going to lose all of the major states that are necessary to win the election. He's going to lose Florida. He's going to lose Pennsylvania. He's going to lose Wisconsin. You know, the key states that he needs, Ohio. Ohio. And if if the polls are accurate, but four years ago, the polls were all wrong. So is there a silent majority similar to 2016?
0: (laughs) I think it's bigger than ever this year.
1: Uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't don't, middle ground. But I, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that enough people in America today look at the issues that we have of law and order out of control in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in Chicago, in Atlanta, in other major cities in America, and believe that what the left is offering is in our best interest.
0: I don't think so. That's why, so the the thing I've been saying for for weeks at this point is uh, observing President Trump, following, obviously, the former Vice President Joe Biden. I don't, I don't, I, I think we are in an election right now where I don't think either one of them want to win.
1: Well, the interesting thing about Trump, and I've said, and I hope the Secret Service doesn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) I think the guy's a dunce.
0: I really don't. Because I I think,
1: I I really believe that he's done and has leadership versus China in putting people back to work, in believing in America, in getting jobs, in getting jobs for uh, young blacks, Hispanics. I don't believe that I don't believe that we should have an open porous border. I believe that there is evil that wants to be in, in America that he can offset, and I truly believe that. Um, and that's why I will support him in 2020. But I do believe that there are evil people amongst us. And I don't think Joe Biden, I I don't think Joe Biden could spell spell the alphabet.
0: Yeah. And and well, I've said this about Joe Biden before. I I mentioned this earlier in the interview with you, like Paul Ryan did his uh, announcement. I think he was announced as the VP in the villages, but uh, I'm sorry. I still remember it clear as day, like the, the VP debate between Joe Biden and Paul Ryan. I thought on that night, Paul Ryan was murdered. Like Joe Biden embarrassed Paul Ryan. That was eight years ago, and Joe that is not the same Joe Biden we have today. No. No. And I feel and I and and I this is why I say I don't think either side wants to win, and this is a very odd election in my experience. Joe Biden at no point in time throughout all these primaries with the Democrats and the debates and anything was even remotely close to anything other than top five. And somehow this is who we've ended up with as the Well, you
1: go back, you remember the (laughs) primary, the South Carolina primary. He was dead on arrival until South Carolina. He was DOA. I mean, uh, until the black population of South Carolina resurrected his chance to win. Uh, Donald Trump has been his own worst enemy, where he has speech writers that prepare incredible moments for him. And then he will spend the next two hours tweeting this most ungodly, ridiculous, uh, (laughs) mind-boggling statements that bring him back down to even keel
0: yep. at best. I, I agree a thousand and percent, Jerry.
1: But, <laughs> you know, I don't think, and I'm an Indiana guy by being a native, I don't think, uh, you know, Governor Pence, Vice President Pence, is, a, uh, you know, a strong player. So, I, I don't know. I, I, look, I say this, I turned 67 in December. I'm not going to let the rest of this. I don't have that much time left. You know, my my wick is shorter than a lot of people, okay? (laughs) My fire's burning. I got a fire in my belly. But my wick is shorter. (laughs) And so I have where I'm at. I go back to where we were at the beginning of this. I got 55 golf courses that know me by name. I got more golf balls. I could lose a golf ball on every hole that i play and i will end up with golf balls okay <laughs> after 14 holes today i swear as god is my witness after 14 holes today i was two under par
0: what are you saying so you're getting better jerry
1: the last four the wheels came off
0: <laughs> i was about to say you're getting better because i i've played after a few 14 of- holes
1: i was two under
0: Wow. Okay? And I had
1: I had a chance to be five under.
0: That's now impressive. I'm talking
1: about executive golf where you play primarily part three holes. Okay. You're 175 yards. Gotcha. I okay. now am putting 14 feet for birdie one good shot. And I'm putting for birdie life is good. I got a golf cart. I got two cars in a golf cart and most of the miles are on the back of a golf cart. Okay. In Florida weather. It's hot, it's humid, but by God, I'm okay with that versus the alternate. Uh, So life is good. I'm not going to let the 2020 elections ruin my life. I'm not going to let anything happens. My wife and I have one chapter left. I don't know how many years, but we're going to enjoy the rest of our lives here. We believe by God's promise that we will live eternally. And I will share that with anybody. And it puts, a, it puts a twinkle in my eye and a, a positive feeling in my heart. So that's who we are.
0: I think that's, I, think that's, I mean, that's great to be in that position because you're, you, 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 you hit it, you're right in that whatever happens in this election is not really gonna affect you. For us. You know, yeah, it's just not. And so, and that's good because you've earned it. Like, you know, that good for you um things you know everyone one of the biggest obstacles we overcome in recruiting is you know whoever the president is and and i'll be honest and it's it's an accurate thing that we convey and then in 18 years my life in the military has never changed based on who the fucking president has been so i don't really care one way or the other um but the only thing i worry about is what's going to come within the next 10 years just in the country because you know my daughter's 14 you know right. like she's the one that's getting affected right. by this stuff so that's what i think and worry about see the
1: the thing is our enemies and i don't know who our enemies are china I mean, I lived, look and, and when i was in when i was in school eric and we practiced against the russians when khrushchev yep. and uh, you know the the night the kennedy was president i mean i this is the first time i saw my dad cry was the night john kennedy s- spoke to america on black and white TV about the Cuban Missile Crisis. My dad cried. My dad was a strong man. My dad fought in World War II. My dad was in the Philippines. My dad was a part of the occupation of Japan. My dad had a spine. My dad was a tough guy, but he was a loving man, okay? But he cried that night. I saw tears in his eyes. So, you know, my whole point about America is, there are those outside our boundaries who have said, we don't have to beat America. They will do it to themselves. And we're watching some of that. We're watching the demise of America based on Americans, not on a foreign power. And that saddens me.
0: Well, the foreign powers are definitely financially behind it. So that is very real. But no, I, I do give a lot of... I put a lot of stock in what you just said, because you're right. We're doing it to ourselves. We don't... We have... Think about this, Jerry. Let's go back to 9-11. 19 short years ago. Do you remember like literally the first two to three months after 9-11? How? Sure. Remember, just remember driving around the city. Like you could, everyone's out there with American flags. They're out there just, you know, everyone's on the side of the road. Like whatever. Well, you re, you remember like President Uniti.
1: Bush, Dude. President Bush threw out the first ball, I think of a Yankee yep. game.
0: The Yankees. threw a yep. strike. Perfect. Nailed it. I mean,
1: every American had.
0: Right. Like, you couldn't even draw that up better.
1: The hair on the back of your neck stood.
0: I couldn't throw a strike right now, and that man (laughs) did it after 9 11 in front of that crowd. Like, come on. Like, that's one of the most fucking amazing moments I've ever witnessed. I know. (laughs) And he's not a pitcher. We were all. The dude's the president. Like, it's like asking a pitcher to do that is hard enough.
1: Right. We were all ready. If you called me, to do what, you, what do you need me to do? Yep. Every American felt that way.
0: We need that moment again. I know. And we don't have it.
1: And I, I, and I it. can't see it. I can't see it in my lifetime. I just can't see it. I don't, and that saddens I, me. I, yeah, because I, because I am so proud. And like I said, honest to God, if, uh, if the Army called today and said, we need you to do, need me to do what? all you have to do is ask what do you need me to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think there are men and women my age and every age who would be that way honestly and yet on the other hand it may be to fight other americans tonight that's how sad it is
0: i don't i don't i would i don't think we'll as of today, I would never say we'll get to that point. And I would never, no, I hear you. I'm not going to, I would never put myself in that position. Cause I don't, when I, don't, when I
1: say fight other Americans, I don't mean yeah. that as in a civil war. I mean,
0: no, I get it. We are it. so, I, I, we I are just, so
1: uniquely, uh, we're all you know, watching the different. same
0: thing. And this is, a, this is a problem with what's going on in these cities, these, you know, Portland and, and some of the other cities. Like, this is a problem. Uh, because what are you accomplishing? I just right. want to know. That's what I want to know. Like, you know what? Let's stop everything. Let's hand whoever the fuck wants to pretend that they're in charge and be like, all right, give me some realistic goals. Don't give me your like, let's, let's defund the police. Stop it. Give me an right. adult right. proposal. Right. Give me something that's from an adult and then let's see what the hell we can do. Because, you know, all these mayors of these cities who are just acquiescing to these mobs and just giving right. in. Like you know what? At the end of the day, you're still in charge of that fucking city. So how about acting like you're in charge of it and stop trying to placate a mob? How embarrassing! Never going to win.
1: How embarrassing was it? Do you remember the Minneapolis mayor? Yeah, when he showed up at one of these events and he looked like a uh, he looked like a college student. Yeah, and his tail was between his legs when he was run off.
0: He's Out of the a, area, not a And then
1: the same thing happened to the Portland mayor the other night. Yeah, he was. He, he's he was, trying to.
0: He's trying to pretend that he's a part of it, and they. Did, they still don't want him. Right. Well, yeah, not yeah. only that.
1: Then, because the federal uh, uh, government people were out there, Trump sent out there, and they they were trying to uh, ensure that this federal building was not overtaken, and so they were uh, tear gassing. The mayor got tear gassed, but the crowd was chanting about him being tear gassed yeah. and resigned crazy.
0: and all this shit. Yeah. Look, and you know what, Jerry, I've talked about this with my girl. Um, I mentioned uh, she's a partner in a wine label. She's got obviously very successful people with her. I know one of them pretty well. Well, two of them pretty well, but I know others in this state uh, let, I mean, let's look, let, let's talk about Elon Musk for an example, you know, the, the CEO and the, the, the creator of Tesla and all people like that. And then we like, look, you can you can say what you want about the Silicon Valley tech executives and how most of them are, are far left leaning and, and, and financing a lot of this stuff. But these are the people in our country who are super smart. And let's just talk about it from that perspective. Here's the issue. The smartest people in this country They see how people run for politics or political office are treated. What's the incentive? Oh, I got to get my life ripped apart and torn upside down for a fucking what? $400,000 to be the president when I'm out here making 10 million to run a hedge fund or, or what, like what's the trade off for the smart people in this country to get into politics? There is none. There's no incentive. There's absolutely none. You couldn't twist the arm of these people to make them run because you just get to tear their life apart because they don't have the right letter next to their name. That's the problem. And that's where we are in this country because we're forced in a population of 330 million in a two party system that you pointed out earlier. It's like, Hey, you know what? Get on that side of the room or get on this side of the room and there's no middle.
1: That's not, there, and, and that's, that's, not real. And that's sad for America because it is.
0: For that's not majority. how we were intended.
1: No, for the majority of people, you know, we're brought up to get along with each other. And there may be some differences here and there, but then let's go into a room and let's figure out, uh, look, I've been a program director of a radio station, Mm -hmm. multiple radio stations where, where I was the boss. But what I wanted was I wanted input from everybody and then, Hey, we're going to come to an agreement and then we're going to go forward. And that's what we're going to do. And everybody's going to be on the same page. And you may, not got it, you may not have got everything that you wanted, me neither. But we're going to come to a simple agreement and go forward. And that's what's best for us. And we're not doing that in our own country mm-hmm. because it would, weaken, it would weaken me or weaken my side. Yep. And that's what we've
0: well, evolved what you just, into. You, you just described leadership, and politics doesn't employ any of that because each side wants all – their way, and with no power
1: way. comes money.
0: Yep. You know,
1: with power, big money is involved, right?
0: Yeah, and that and, influence. and and it's, and that's right. And that's why I said, like, the people in this country who could probably make a difference, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing in it for them, right? Y- you know, and and we want to we want to play to the altruistic value of hey, do what's best for your country. You know, public service, and those are great things. But at the end of the day it it's not worth it because what's attached to that is someone's personal life is going to get torn apart. Sure. And there's no fucking perfect people out there, but the only ones that act like they are perfect are the ones doing the digging.
1: The thing, the thing that disappointed me more than anything though, these last three plus years was, and I told you I didn't vote for Donald Trump. Yep. Uh, I couldn't because of the way he conducted himself versus other opponents. I'll be honest. I mean, it had nothing to do with living in Florida, but I followed Marco Rubio. Marco I, Rubio. I, I, was, I, think, I
0: was the same way. I was a Ruby Marco
1: Rubio. Marco Rubio is, in my opinion, is extremely intelligent. We went to a couple of his campaign rallies only because we had access to them. We were there in Orlando where he spoke. And I just felt he was brilliant on many areas. And I uh, aligned myself. And yet, you know, to hear little Marco, little Marco, this, well, yeah, little Marco,
0: that. Rubio so he became a stock. Yeah, because, uh, it, well, he tried, Rubio defeated himself by trying to play Trump's game. When he came out correct. with the hand shit, you know, instead of just being the adult, he tried to right. like, all right, let me just play the fucking kid game too. Correct. And that's why he lost. And,
1: and, and, and everybody fell along the side. So, uh, but, but like I say, uh, with, with the waste, the situation is today, and I, I, I think Donald Trump has been his own worst enemy by his outlandish Absolutely. acts and behavior. Agree and 100%. yet there are moments, there are moments. And, you know, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know that when he goes out and does speeches, et cetera, it's speech writers. And I don't think that that becomes the shining moment when some speech writer has prepared something that a president or, a, a, you know, a, a candidate has now read a teleprompter. But I think there are good things behind those people, you know. A, a particular party is not just one person, but it's groupthink, and I think that's where we become problematic, yep. you know. In to, in today's society, is that we're and I come back to this whole thing about even the word woke. I it <laughs> pisses me off when I hear people use that, especially people like me. Oh, I say, well, you know, I'm woke. I don't even know what the f that's supposed to mean, you know. You know what I'm saying? It's like Come on, be who you are. Don't try to be part of the uh, the gang here. You know.
0: Yep. Well. Well. You know. And General Patton. Um, obviously, I'm I'm sure you've heard of him. But General Patton, or whether he said it or not, it's one of the quotes attributed to him. He said, uh, "If if if everyone's thinking the same thing, then nobody's thinking." Right. Right. So yeah. that's kind of where we are, and and it goes back to what I think you talked about very early on in this is that you know anybody who wants to have a, an opinion different to what is going on right now is somehow branded every possible negative.
1: Well, I woke up, I woke up one day and I was not only a racist, <laughs> but I was privileged. Yep. And I go, you fucking talking about me? <laughs> you know, really? I got more birth defects than the state of Maine. Okay. <laughs> So spare me with this oh, privilege yes. BS, <laughs> you know, I mean, we were the last people on the, in the country. We grew up in the country. We didn't have carpets. We didn't have color TV. You know, we didn't have gas. I mean, we, we were last, you know, we were always wondering, I mean, I didn't, I, I when we went to the dentist, we didn't have no cane. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> so we weren't, we weren't, privileged at all we we were anything but privileged the privilege i had the privilege i had was my mom and dad were married they loved each other yep. uh, not only that you know my dad got up and went to work every day my mom took care of us we were privileged because my mom and dad every meal we prayed every night before we went to bed we prayed my mom led a prayer Every Sunday, every Sunday, we went to Sunday school and church. That's the privilege I had of having loving parents mm-hmm. who cared and brought us up in a family. Unlike today's world, where, especially in the black community, you know, there is what 25% families with, with uh, two parents. Yep. I mean, no wonder we have That's all true. the problems we have in that community. Yeah. I, I you can't about- help when, when you have others. It's like peers. When I went to college, the first night that I went to college, I went and got drunk. You know why? Because everybody, all the guys wanted to go get drunk. <laughs> I was influenced by my peers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so if you live in a world where you don't have a dad, but yet you have influence by other young men who are, whether they're gangbangers or whether they're drug pushers or whatever, You're going to be influenced by those peers, right? I had influence growing up of loving parents, of of family. That's the privilege that I had. So if I'm privileged, that's that's where I got it.
0: Well, and that's what they.
1: Not because I'm a white guy.
0: Right. Well, and you're right. 75% of black Americans in this country will be raised by a single parent. Okay, so that's the stat we're talking about. And then if we go to the, if we go back to the Black Lives Matter website specifically, they are, they're in their mission statement, they are, they want to attack and, and this, this, basically do away with the nuclear family everything that you just described right they feel like you can raise the child by a village and i disagree with that and you know unfortunately my daughter and uh her mother and i were we we never stayed together but we've both been very strong presences in her life um i was raised by both parents still married to this day Uh, i agree with everything you just said. You know, and I'm not saying that there are not going to be exceptional human beings raised by a single parent. Of course. But you know what? Of course. The statistics prove that for the most part, if you do get the opportunity to be raised by both parents, you're going to do a hell of a lot better. See, than you do. Eric,
1: as, as I told you, prior to going to college, I had influence from my dad. Now I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. I go from northern Indiana, farm community, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, junior college basketball player. And now my peers, I, I was a follower. I was a follower when I went to college, junior college, freshmen, sophomores, guess who had, were my peers, sophomores. They were the guys who had already been in college a year. We started smoking weed. You know, I didn't even know the word marijuana until I got to college. All of a sudden I'm smoking weed, you know, because he's my not, peers, he's did. not
0: wrong. He's not wrong. All
1: my, all my buddies were, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, well, you start drinking beer every night. Start smoking cigarettes. Those are my peers. And if you think about, if you grow up and you're 10 and you're 12 and you're 14, you don't have dad and you got all these guys who are, as we would label them, a gang as your peers, well, of course you're going to side with them. I mean, those are the guys you look up to. Yep. What are they teaching you? They're teaching you evil. They're teaching you bad things. But that becomes your life. That's that's what has happened when it, when there's breakdown in family. There's no question about that. I lived in the country. Let's say that you live in town. Let's say you live in inner city. Well, you're going to be influenced by all of that that's around you. That's what you're going to grow up in. So how? I'm I'm sorry for those people. I re, I truly am. I'm sorry for those people. I didn't cause it. You know, don't blame me. Yeah. Don't chastise me because my Friggin' skin is white don't call me privileged you've never walked in my shoes you've never breathed for me you know worry more about yourselves and try to correct the evil and ills around your own Mm -hmm. and realize where those issues begin but don't point at some fingers of people you don't know it's not their it's not their fault you know what i'm saying
0: yeah no and I agree i think uh, uh, that with what you just said last there i I agree with a million percent is that you know we cannot approach any issue in this country with this blanket statement of you know somebody else somehow has the benefit of the this preconceived outcome because that's not realistic right you have the equal opportunity in this country but you do not have an equal outcome i proved it already i met you because i wanted to do what you did and i still haven't been able to do it because i've been doing other shit right but you know what if it was the other way i'd been doing what you did but that didn't work out you
1: know the the beauty of it and i've heard an interview uh where morgan freeman was talking and i think he was Mm -hmm. talking with don lamon uh of cnn and he Don Lamont asked if there's such a thing as systemic racism to him. And he said, no, look at us. Look at you. Look at me. Look at where we're at. You're on CNN. I'm one of the most well-recognized actors in America. Yep. When you think about today, and I'm not talking about in the 60s when I grew up. I grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I grew up when the, the, the Selma riot, I mean, you know, when yeah. blacks were beaten up. When blacks were hosed, I'm asking my dad why I'm serious, I'm asking my dad why why is this going on? Why is George Wallace not allowing black students to go to school at these schools? Why is that? And he was explaining it to me. We didn't have that in our family we didn't we grew up in we grew up in a county where there were no blacks. We grew up in an all white county in northern Indiana. We were twenty miles away from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I don't know what the population was with blacks, probably 25% of the city were blacks. There were high schools that were all black, et cetera. But you know, that, that, that's my whole point. When you, when you, uh, when you have that kind of influence, you're going to have those kinds of problems. If you don't have that nuclear family, there is no question about that.
0: And, and that's, um, there's so much. But to be see, the last
1: thing I want to say, and I, I got sidetracked. And again, it's the liquor talk and my apologies let it, to let this audience.
0: It. Let it go. <laughs> but,
1: but, uh, but when you look in America today, you have a former president who served eight years, who was black. You yeah. have governors, you have senators, you have police chiefs, you have mayors, you have teachers, you have professors. Blacks can aspire to be, and I don't like I I don't like in the world today that we have black culture uh, that we have that we have to segregate by talking about it. I just don't like that we have to have a black. No, I know
0: I I agree a thousand percent. Like this because is it because it becomes
1: segregation. Yeah. It's you America. and me.
0: It's America. It's you and me. Yep.
1: Correct. And and any time that we want to talk about black, white, well then we're segregating, and I don't like that.
0: I don't like, I don't like the hyphenated American because you know what? Correct. No other country does it. I've been to 21 countries in my life. Very fortunate through the military. I've been to Germany. I've been to Italy. You know what? You know what? There are black, there are black individuals in every one of those countries and not a single one of them refers to themselves as an African Italian, an African German, but we come here and we want to segregate and play the identity politics game and not just Trump or not, not Trump, but not just like, realize and, and and lump everyone into the fact that we're Americans and that's the, Correct. that's what we were supposed to be we are this giant Correct. melted pot we got diversity whatever the fuck it is you want to call it and use your buzzword but at the end of the day right. we're supposed to be Americans we're not supposed to hyphenate it i know because some, I for know. some reason i'm not a polish american i'm just a white Correct. american right
1: i don't even no. know what i am exactly you know, my twin brother my twin brother did all this genealogy <laughs> I, you know you're a, part you're irish part.
0: you're you're as yeah. You know, you could be Puerto Rican for some of the O'Neils I, I don't know. That's what you are. And man. it
1: doesn't – I'm kid. me. I'm me. You know <laughs> yeah. what? I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to get up tomorrow, yep. and I'm going to look in the mirror and go, hey, it's you. That's it all is. I am. And, and I you just, know what I want to be? I want to be a good guy. Yep. I, I, as I tell people on my golf cart up here, what I want to do is wave and smile. I may not know you. How could I not like you if I don't know you? Yep. You know what I'm saying?
0: I just want to be an American, and I want That's my it. fellow Americans to be with me because at the end of the day, our enemies are not within these borders. They just Amen, aren't. Amen, brother. They just aren't, man. Um, all right, Jerry, Like I look, we're, we're, we're about to hit the three-hour mark. No commercials. <laughs> no commercials because we don't, we don't do that terrestrial radio thing where we got no, 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 um, no. Appreciate- I don't
1: know how we could have kept anybody past the five-minute mark. I don't but know. I've I'll, I'll check out the
0: analytics. You know, Maybe they won't get past the seven-minute mark and get to this point. But I've never I,
1: had more fun, okay? Yeah, this hope, was I, fun for I, me.
0: I hope they and do. And trust me,
1: I've watched you on your videos and your workouts, and I admire <laughs> you greatly. And I respect what you have done as a young person in life. I'm twice your age, probably. Like I said, I don't have oh. much wick left. God will direct how much that is. I'm going to try to enjoy it but I am honored to be in your presence, and I appreciate what you and other American soldiers, men and women, have done. I am pro-cop. I think 99.9% of those people, men and women, are there to protect and serve, and I honor that. And uh, like I said, I have not been given a lot of intellect. I've had (laughs) the ability to go in front of an audience with a microphone in my hand and just talk until I can't anymore. And, uh, some have, some have, uh, honestly enjoyed that. And I appreciate that. But, uh, for what you have accomplished in your young life, thank you so much for what you've done soldier.
0: I Jerry, you are, it's me. That's supposed to be too kind on this show, but you have definitely exceeded that. Uh, everyone watching, listening on the podcast, Jerry O'Neill, 24 years as the UCF sports reporter for UCF football, the greatest sports talk show host in Orlando history. There will never be another Jerry O'Neill. Uh, just and
1: and in the present state, he was two under through 14 today.
0: Remember that the
1: wheels came off.
0: What? you were put it this way nobody's ever probably been two under par through 14 and also the greatest talk show host in a specific city (laughs) that's jerry o'neill like i said earlier on the the man has as has entertained my my idiocy for too long and i I have been
1: empty for an hour
0: yeah, I haven't. I, I keep refilling. You're on the West
1: Coast, though. Mine's.
0: I am bedtime. on the West Coast. You're right. It's uh. Hey, you got to move, my friend. You need to run the toes to retire in the villages. So, uh, again, I, I, Jerry, thanks for coming on. Um, if you are listening and watching, please subscribe to the YouTube channel on There Will Be Bourbon. Check it out on Apple and Spotify podcast. It's out there on all the podcast sites. You know how this works at this point. Look it up on iHeartRadio. There will be bourbon. There will be more great guests like this man right here. Thanks for watching and we'll uh we'll catch you next Let's,
1: time. We'll stay in touch man.
0: Absolutely Jerry. Thanks brother.
1: Thanks Eric.